Face to Face Games proudly presents Grand Prix Toronto, the first Grand Prix featuring the Hour of Devastation limited format, July 21st to 23rd. Come face pro players as they flex their muscles just one week before the Pro Tour. Every Grand Prix entry includes a sleep-in special and registered sealed pool for players with buys. Visit gptoronto2017.facetofacegames.com to register and learn more. ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to facetofacegames.com. Jesus, Brian. Six coffee emojis. Any idiot could have figured it out. Uh, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, I don't know what that says any idiot could have. Does it mean I'm a special idiot? Am I special? You are a particular kind of idiot. All right. Let's see. Let's see here. There are, just from the, tw- just from the Twitter responses you've had this afternoon, at least five or six people listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> at least. At least. At least. Okay, five or six Canadians listening to this podcast. If I said, just like I sent you a text, it was six coffee emojis, and you were, I don't know, under the expectation that you would be recording a certain Minotaur-themed podcast tonight, what would that mean to you? Would it obviously mean meet at Joe at six? (laughs) It's obvious, right? There's six coffee emojis. I thought it meant you were at Joe right now and had consumed enough coffee and were just jamming the coffee emoji because you were, like, caffeine high. Look, I don't even have a coffee in my hand, right? Yeah. All right, so then, so then, all right, so, so Brian, who is, quote, a special kind of idiot, right, <laughs> calls me. Is that the name of this yeah, episode? A special, a special kind, of, kind of idiot? I was thinking six coffee emojis, but a special kind of idiot, either one, either one. So Brian calls me. And he's just like, blah, 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 words, words, words. Are you a Joe? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, dude, I'm trying to get on the train. If you don't let me get off the phone and shut up, it's going to be seven coffee emojis. Yeah. So then you texted me, what do I want? Yeah. I got the bench. Yeah. So so Brian comes out, gets, comes to Joe, just takes a, takes a bench without buying a thing. He is, he is the worst <laughs> MacBook Air, <laughs> Starbucks bench, <laughs> freaking Brooklyn oh, hipster. Yeah. Five items of clothing across oh, a row of seats in the movie theater. Oh my God! All the Wi-Fi signal is going into that into that <laughs> MacBook Air. He is he is streaming all kinds of Kimmy Schmidt in the middle, in the middle of the Starbucks. Right. So so he just takes the Joe bench without buying anything. So I text him, and I'm like, "What would you like to imbibe?" He just texts me back, "Brew." Okay. Well, there are a lot of things this could be, right? You know, I, he's, I don't know, he's a Obviously, drinker. it could be a cold brew. It could be, but it's Most also likely. a magic podcast. So I could have come back with a Conley Woods deck. I would have accepted a Conley Woods deck. <laughs> yeah, you're going to drink a, a Stromkirk Noble. <laughs> Lay ba- Stromkirk Noble, Lay Bear, uh, Honor of the Pure. That's my. <laughs> that's the Chugging deck. it down. You're like, Stronghold Taskmaster. <laughs> Uh, what's the one that makes everything white? 
<laughs> Stronghold Taskmaster, Celestial Dawn, Kildren Outpost. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so anyway, this is the Top 8 Magic Podcast. I'm Brian David Marshall. This is Michael J. Flores. And uh, so people want us to talk about stuff. All right, Brian, I have a knife, okay? As you can see, I have a knife. We're going to cut one another. Uh, We're going to make a blood pact. Okay. To podcast multiple times next week to 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 do the, the set review of the new set. Yes. We are bleeding all over this bench. It's <laughs> disgusting. I hope you've been tested recently. Been married for 23 years. I have I not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> You're not going to like the results of mine. <laughs> but at least we'll talk about some new Magic the Gathering set. I like some of the new set. Do you want, do you want, to, t- do you want to start off and just like talk about some right. of the cards? I mean, Let's, a- uh, t- what order should we talk about? The- okay, so first of all, have you watched all of Glow yet? I've watched all of Glow. You've watched all of Glow. I've watched all of Glow. Right. I've watched all of Fargo. I've watched all of Better Call Saul. Okay, I've watched none of Fargo, all of Glow, all of Better Call Saul. This is what Mary I'm- Elizabeth Winstead is my favorite right now, except for Allison Bray. All right, so here's the thing. Like, I feel like this deserves, like, its own blog or something. Glow hits for me, I think, way more spots than it hits for Brian. I actually would guess Brian didn't watch Glow in the 80s. I, I've seen Glow. I, saw I mean, Glow. I saw I some. Saw it. I saw it, some of it, yeah. But I love wrestling. You do love wrestling. I love, love wrestling. I actually subscribe to WWE Network. I pay money, even though it's all on YouTube, and I know that. <laughs> <laughs> pay money to watch the network, okay? Um, you get the pay-per-views that day, you know, so. I mean... They don't have nearly enough bandwidth to support the network, though, so, like, it's always choppy to me, even though I'm paying... I'm actually paying money to not steal yeah. it. And it's just like, Roman Reigns, and then it, like, cuts out right before the pin of the, the, the main... This has happened to me yeah. more than once. Nice job, Vince McMahon. Um, so, so, but so, well, anyway, so, I love wrestling. I love Allison Brie. So, here's the thing. I, have we had this discussion before that I've always thought... And I actually had a co-worker who was IRL friends with Allison Brie. And I would just tell him how sexy I thought that she was. And he was like, I'm really uncomfortable. She's really just like my wife's really good friend. <laughs> like, you can't really talk to me like this. I'm like, I can't. She's quite sexy. But she's always been cast as not sexy, including on Mad Men, right? Sure. Like, she's like, whatever the girl version of Cuckolded is, she's cuckolded by the Handmaid's Tale chick on Mad Men, right? Um, you know, Peggy. Yeah. Uh, and all of that, right? Or any random prostitute you want to attribute to, you know, so... <laughs> to Pete's... Uh, yeah, whatever. Belt notches. Whatever Pete's walking down the street. He's such a great... Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Balding yeah. villain. So I got... I, anyway, but she's so... She is so sexy, right? But then they put... They, they, they got her in this amazing Venn diagram of her life. I was shocked when I watched that first episode. I didn't know that they had this on Netflix, right? So Allison Brie, they have managed to put her... They just get her naked in, like, the first three minutes in a locker room scene, and you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. But then you think it's over. But no, she has one of her ex-Mad Men co-stars. She's in an explicit sex scene, like, three minutes later in the first episode. With Harold Crane from Mad Men. But here's the thing. This is Trudy from Mad Men. This is the most freaking Allison Brie Venn diagram you could have. They just make her so unsexy, despite the fact that they're just parading around. At the most, she's wearing a leotard. And then multiple, like, nudity scenes, explicit sex scenes with, like, you know, they're all hanging out on this. But they managed to make her unsexy and talk about how unsexy she is throughout the show. It's crazy. It's just this, so Alison Brie, right? You know what I mean? You know what I mean by when I say that? I guess. 
I don't. She's, I, don't actually, no, I think she's super sexy. I'm saying that like she's just always portrayed as not sexy. Sure. That's what I'm saying. I, I think I think she does a r- really good job of losing herself in the character. I so the, the reason that this you're bringing this up, yeah. no doubt, is because I had no idea yeah. that Trudy and Allison Brie <laughs> are the same. Two actress. people I was aware of. Yeah, it was like orphan black levels of disconnect. I had yeah. no idea that she was Trudy at all. It just never connected to me. If you just look watching those booze commercials, she looks with a with she's with the guy from Parks and Rec. She looks awesome, but like she's. I, I, I mean, I guess I just don't. I don't. I mean, that's great, but I mean, I, I'm just like when I say my favorite, I'm just like I think she's great in it. Like, oh no, she's awesome. I'm just saying, I think part of this like space that she that she occupies and like whatever the Hollywood the Hollywood Venn diagram overlaps a very real awkward but like but like normal person but if you look like there's just no way you can look at her and be like oh wow that's not like a really like you know vivacious engaging attractive woman but they just do this amazing job of making her even when they're like shooting her in an explicit sex scene making her seem like super awkward and mousy which is like that's like, is that like a triumph of her? Is that a triumph of the direction? I think, it's, I, I think, I think like, it's, I think, it, I think she's just a great actress. I think mm. she, she has, really does have an ability to just lose herself in the character and not, um, I don't know, sexualize it or, you know, she's not, she's not playing it for pinups. She's not playing it for yeah. titillation. She's playing it as a very real scene between two people who are having an awkward hookup. So I remember even like being alive in the '80s that I didn't think any anyone with this hair and these like leotards, whatever, was like attractive at all. And I was right. <laughs> I think they do a very good job of making everybody in the show look '80s attractive. Yeah, but like even like the British girl, right? Yeah, like that's they, who I'm thinking of specifically. Like, if if you put her in like even '90s clothes or like certainly like 2017 levels of like. Pilates class or whatever, she would have been like a killer, right? But they have her in like a hookup scene where she's got like 80s granny panties. Like, <laughs> you notice the granny panties, right? Like yeah. the specific fit of what they're putting. It's just like ridiculous. I, I think that, I, I think like this like weird, weird sort of like 80s pastiche they had going on was really effective. For, I think like, taking the edge off of it because you could have had the exact same show based on like if there were like an equivalent of Glow Today right maybe like because you know there's like some people are into that like roller derby or whatever yeah. where there's like these tough you know athletic women sure, doing a really yeah. physical thing um, and like if you just put them in the same situation you're just like oh there's a bunch of girls living together oh of course you're hanging you know hooking up with the with the director or whatever like and it's just like you can't avoid like how sexualized it is but I think that, like, the 80s granny panties and making someone as attractive as Alison Brie so awkward and talking about it explicitly, like, like I think Mark Maron at some point is just like, I hate your ass. Like, he says something, like, ridiculous like that to her, right? And she's clearly been killing herself in aerobics class to try to, you know, yeah. build up her physicality, and that's what the thing that he says to her. I think it does a really effective job of deflecting that because otherwise, like, you just have this show where, like, all these actresses are in skin-tight leotards the entire time. It could just be about that, right? Right, well, I think, but I think that's part of the, the message of the show, right? Like, obviously, Glow was a league that was packaged as, you know, this almost satire of wrestling, but also this, like, highly sexualized version of wrestling. I don't remember it being that sexy when I was a kid because, like, they were so grotesque. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't remember it that well. But I. Uh, but yeah, I. The show was. I thought the show was great. I actually cried during one scene. Which Which episode? Uh, the last episode. Oh. I don't want. I don't want to talk. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it's it. It's such a good work. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's probably not the scene you're thinking about. We'll talk about it off. I mean, there are a lot of feels. I think yeah. over the course of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it involves Machu Picchu. Oh really? Yeah. I thought maybe like, hey, you want to get a drink? That no, one. No, no. Well, that too. That was good, but. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the show. I, w- I would be shocked if there's not some Emmy nominations coming out of it. I think Betty Gilpin was absolutely ridiculous in That's it. her like breakout. But the thing, Betty Gilpin. I mean, Betty Gilpin had been like a second star on Nurse Jackie. On Nurse Freeze. Jackie, right? So she was like cast as a sex mom on Nurse Jackie. I thought she was all right looking in that one, right? But like when I say like he's make a statement like that, like but she's cast as a sex bomb, right? Your expectation is is at a certain level, and they just keep telling you out loud how how sexy she is in this one. I think that they just create a juxtaposition there too, right? Like, you know what I mean? Or no? This is like yeah, I don't know. I I, I think I think we're coming at the show from different angles. <laughs> All right, I'm coming in from the angle of like it sets a bunch of expectations and then does deliberate things. To queer your expect, to queer where your expectation is sure. relative to what their delivery is, I, I agree and with then that. that's part of the aesthetic, that. yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, okay. I agree. I am not coming into the angle of like this person is actually attractive or this person is not attractive. They're all attractive, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do think that it's kind of dubious in a lot of shows where, look, one of the main thrusts of a character or the portrayal of a character is purely around how attractive they are and they keep saying it to you out loud. Sure. Which is what they did with her character, right? And I do think that there is a there's a disconnect. I thought she was great. I think her I think I love everything about people's joy of discovery in that in that show. Especially her her sort of journey throughout the show I love. And I think she's just unbelievable in it. I like I like a and Mark, Mark Barron. I mean, that's is this the first thing he's ever. Re- I mean, I guess he was he on had a his, show called Marin. He I had mean, his own show, which I have. I, I guess I should watch. But this is like this is clearly his breakout as an actor. He's actually. I think his main thing is he does a podcast. Yeah, he's a very big podcast. My my ex roommate and good friend Amber Tozer was on his podcast uh, last year. Was it awkward? I just read an interesting article about him, which which they complained that he was uh, that his podcast is overwhelmingly male and that. Uh, it's been uncomfortable for some female guests. I think, like, you and know... And maybe listeners. I think, like, you know, she was, like... I, I don't remember... I listened to the episode, but not because I'm a consistent fan of Marin, but because my very good friend was, again, yeah, yeah. was literally yeah. the guest on that episode. And, yeah, I want to say, like, he was talking, recounting the story of, like, trying to... Like, she, he's, like, 30 years older than her. Sure. Right? And, like, 20 years older than her. And, you know, like, she was in a vulnerable spot, and he was just like, hey... <laughs> Let's see, let's see how we can swing this one, you know? Um, but I think I think he was ultimately unsuccessful. I, I'd have to go back and listen to it. I think he was ultimately I unsuccessful. Think he was unsuccessful. I, obviously the episode didn't didn't have the level of uh didn't have the level of mem- memorability to me. That, but yeah, um, he's I, I think he's tremendous on the show. I mean everyone on the oh, yeah. whole ensemble. I mean great. look first of all oh, you, you finished it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a huge Allison Brie. Like I said, it's hit like I really high in Allison Brie, love wrestling. But I actually thought Marin was the was you, the superior. I don't know if you know performer. this about me, but in actually, well, I don't even a long time ago. Yeah. I uh, me, Evan Dorkin. Yeah. 
a guy named Delphin Baral, who's M- also a comic book I- artist. Eisner Award winner, Evendorf. Created an entire wrestling league for Lou Albano. Captain Lou Captain Albano. Lou Albano. Of Cindy Lauper fame? Of Cindy Lauper fame. I actually got to interview Cindy Lauper for, Shut a, comic, up. for a comic book. Oh my and God. And Captain Lou Albano. I don't care about Lou Albano. You got to interview Cindy Lauper. Um, yeah, I was working. We were working for a company that was publishing the Honeymooners comic book, and uh, we were going to do. Uh, we created this whole wrestling league, a bunch of heels and faces, for uh, Captain Lou Albano. It was Captain Lou Albano and Bruno Sammartino were the like organizers of this like you know face. actual Bruno Sammartino. Yeah. For those who don't know, Bruno Sammartino is uh, the longest so reigning shut WWE. Shut up about talking to me about wrestling. Champion of all time, but like, he was like he was like. I'm just not Hogan super before. into it, but I, I, I'm you know. I'm super. I love I love all the things about it except watching it. It's kind of sucky, right? Now. <laughs> I love all sucky. the things about wrestling. I love all the theatrics of it. I love all the the artistry of it. I love the you know the the, the comic book storytelling aspect of it. I just don't really enjoy watching it. So it's weird to me. I was Most, mostly because I have bad associations from childhood with kid, you know, meatheads in Brooklyn who would yell at you that it was real. Okay, I was like, I was having this interaction with like you know a bunch of Magic players who are big wrestling fans yeah. like on Twitter, like um, like Chris Lansdale and uh, like Cedric Phillips and stuff, and uh, Big Big Head Joe from uh, the the observation I had is I think wrestling is kind of like suckyish enough right now that my favorite wrestler is Alexa Bliss who's like basically a female rookie on one of the two WWE brands and like she's like a rookie which is like a lot a lot of wrestlers uh, continue to be like really very good like who, the good ones like continue to be very good like in their 30s or 40s and stuff um, but so she's very young right early 20s and she's female yeah. uh, and so in the previous eras, like, female wrestling was about, like, hair pulling and just, like, gratuitous TNA-type stuff. Uh, but, like, so it's it's a weirdly telling thing. I'm not sure if this is more about the state of male wrestlers uh, that legit, like, a, a rookie female wrestler could be, like, the best performer on a brand. It's, it, you know? Because they're just not, they're not known for their, for their ability. Maybe, maybe in the future they'll, they'll, be, uh, be more known for their ability, but I don't know. Take that for what you will. Glow, good. Uh, far, uh, no, I didn't watch Fargo. Better Fargo, Call Saul. Fargo is, so people, I, I, here's the thing. People are spoiled by how good TV is because Fargo season three was fucking great. <laughs> it was just great, but maybe not as good as season two yeah. or whatever. People are like, oh, it just wasn't as, it just wasn't as good as season two. Those people need punches, right? They, they do. They do. I'm talking to you, Randy. Well, I mean, Chris Pecula said he thought you, any of the three of them were all all A plus. They were all. I mean, the, the yeah, the acting is just tremendous. Mar- Mary Elizabeth Winstead, by the way, just unbelievable. If you don't know her, she was Ramona Flowers in Scott. Pilgrim oh, I know who Ramona Flowers is. She was in the second Cloverfield movie, which was which awesome. I haven't seen. Which Are, everyone says. Did you see I have the first see. Cloverfield movie? No. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Unwatchably bad. So bad. Like, it's horrible. Yeah. Unwatchable. The second one... This is Clo- the second one's Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, it has, like, John Goodman and her. Yeah. It's only, like, three people in the Yeah, everyone, everyone... Actually, when I was talking about her on Twitter this week, everyone said, you have awesome. to watch this. Yeah. Awesome Brock, Brock Parker told me I need to watch it. Brack. 
Pro Tour champion. Rack. I mean, teams. Whatever, man. Teams. Teams is clearly like the. Speaking of which. Cream of the crop kind of stuff. No one can beat the peach, right? Like, <laughs> the peach emojis just got you. They're like, really good. Well, I mean, like, I, I made this argument about standard. I played in a. But anyway, just. You know, just, you know, but just saying, Fargo, she's great. And also, if you haven't watched Brain Dead, Brain Dead season one, only season. Also, is, it on, she's, is it on somewhere? I can it's got to be it. on something. I don't like. I don't want to pay for it. You don't have to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I pay for the WWE Network, dude. All the matches are literally on YouTube. <laughs> if they're on YouTube. You should just watch them on YouTube. They're pirated on YouTube. Uh, like. It's it's not a satisfying experience. Sure. Anyway, um, she's great. It's ten bucks a month, dude. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what do you call it? Um, I, I, I forgot. It's like what an I was avocado toast. All right. This is what. So I played in a preliminary pro tour qualifier this past week, and I played Mardu, and went two and three. Why would you play Mardu? I wanted to play Blue Red, and uh, Roman Fusco said he could make me any deck in standard. So I'm like, all right, make me Blue Red. And he's just like, oh, I'll make you Mardu. <laughs> <laughs> so I played Marty. Um, so it, I don't know. It seemed like thoroughly unsatisfying for me to play. Not because, you know, not for I think most of the reasons that people might assume when somebody says something like that. I just felt like none of my, de- I didn't make any decisions basically, right? Like I just like flooded out a bunch and I'm not even complaining about flooding out a bunch. You just have like an obnixilus in play that nobody kills. Draw six extra cards, they were all lands, right? That's that's a frustrating experience, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, I wouldn't blame losing on that. That's like a Bush League thing to blame losing on. What I'm just saying is like, I had very few decisions and none of them mattered, right? Like the, the, like, the games I won, basically like, my opponent could do nothing. I just like, went like first turn three, two, like a heart of Karen, you know, Scrap Heap Scrounger, two, like, you know, two unlicensed disintegrations, good game, you know, like, you know, like, they can't, no one can beat that draw. Yeah, yeah. And the games I lost, I just, like, basically flooded out. Like, and I, I wasn't, like, or, like, I just played. You know what you needed? Well, actually, you needed I, a smuggler's copter. I played a, I played a match against Marty where, like, my draw wasn't even bad, right? My draw was perfectly fine. If I'd been on the play, I might have won. The problem was I drew all these Scrap Heap Scroungers, right? And I'm on the draw, so I just can't block. And he went sure. first. Sure. So he killed me. So, like, I didn't draw any unlicensed disintegrations. He drew two, and all of my cards that I could drop were just scrappy. And this is, this is new standard, right? Yeah. This is... So there's, like, no Marvel, right? So, I mean, I think if you're playing blue-red, you have way, you have a lot of decisions you can potentially make, which is one of the reasons I would have wanted to play it. But just, like, my my argument against standard right now is people are like, well, what's wrong with standard? Everybody hates it, right? Like that's. Well, kind I did of... get one of our... One of, so I, I put out on Twitter that, you know, we talk about whatever people wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, so we'll, we'll have to run through some of that, maybe catch up with some of it on the yeah. next one. But the one thing someone did ask is no basketball, no standard. No basketball, no standard? I'm like, sorry, buddy. <laughs> You're at least getting basketball. <laughs> okay, so, well, so my, my ultimate point is I just don't think that, I just don't think it's a good format. And my, my fundamental reason for this is look at all the big standard events. Which of the big standard events, Grand Prix or Pro Tours, did a member of the Peach Garden Oath top eight or win? So they all played in them, right? Yeah, ask me that again. Which of the big standard events has a member of the Peach Garden Oath top eight or won? Pro Tours or Grand Prix? This year? Yeah, since since Kaladesh. Aren't any. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, now if the most know, they, highly they, they, skilled they, players they, in the world, no, no, to be fair, all three members, I believe, of Peach Garden Oath were top twenty-five at the last Pro Tour. One Pro. So first of all, they are on limited records. Okay. No, oh, whatever. Primarily on limited records. I, yeah, they all lost late, right? Yeah, yeah. On camera, they also that's true, but the fact is, there's been dozens of Grand Prix, right? And as well as you know half a dozen pro tours and they haven't done well since any like the crazy bands right since Emrakul was legal and standard etc versus when Emrakul was legal and standard they were all doing great right sure. like with different decks they even play Emrakul okay like okay. my counter my counter to this would be that despite having no top big you know top eight type finishes all three of them uh, I mean the whole the whole pantheon well the Puzzle Quest team is in fifth place right now in the Pro Tour Team Series. That's not entirely well, you a think, limited record. You think that fifth place is a representative position for that team? No. What I'm saying is I think that That's they, an incredibly think, poor position for that except, team. Except that there's, the points are so front-loaded on top eights that the fact that they're in fifth without any top eights tells you how just consistent... I, no, I, no, no, I no. would just say that... I think that you're making my point, all right? These guys are great. So even though these are the front-loaded front -loaded positions... Even though everything else is going wrong, they're still able to, to hold pace. But the fact of the matter is, if you put them in a situation that's not standard, where they're, you're controlling for for luck, like three-man teams is an extremely controlled for luck format, right? Because you, they, you know your teammates can always bail you out if you get mana screwed, if you have two good teammates. Peach Hard and Oath is equally unstoppable as they always are, okay? Like, if it was three-man constructed, they'd be equally unstoppable. Sure. Because Owen Turtenwald is the best, okay? That's the thing. And Reed is close, right? And Huey, you know, Huey is close. You know, they're, they're really, 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 really good with the capital, really, okay? The fact that, like, if you put... I, this is what I honestly think is. You put one dude on one side of the table and, one, and Owen Turtenwald on the other side of the table, and you give him, like, blue-white spirits or Mardu, and you tell him to play 100 games, it comes out, like, 55-45 in favor of Owen. That is not indicative of a good format, right? Sure. That's that's my point, right? Decisions are not very, are not very meaningful. The games are like constricted without being uh, thoughtful. I, th I think a lot of the terminus of a game of standard right now is determined by the first two or three turns of the game, right? Like, I mean, you just—that's basically what you just said, right? Like, you're like, I just drew an opener where I went this turn one, this turn two, this turn three, and that's an unbeatable draw. And I, I mean, I'm agreeing yeah. with you. It's like, you're, you're I think, not getting... I think in practice, it's not always going that way. But, you're, but, but the, what I'm but saying the is you're not getting... still not important. But that is... But that's... that. I'm, I'm agreeing, right? Like, you don't have a lot of decisions. You're like, oh, I have a one drop. Oh, I have a two drop. Oh, I have my three drop, which is going to kill your thing and deal damage to you. That's I not mean, a very decision... In, there's not a big decision okay. tree there. Like, I won, I won my first game in the RPTQ. I won my first match, too, though. And my opponent, who's actually Ben, ben Hayes and Izzy Hayes' dad. Jack Hayes! Yeah. Played in the first round. I beat him in a tight in a tight match. Long to time, o. long time neutral rounder. So, I was like, we we're just talking about the match afterwards, and I was just like, I feel like you badly outdrew me, right? You certainly outdrew me on quality, right? You had like you had plenty, you had multiple planeswalkers, juked me real good with like a with like a trick, you know, to get like good advantage and not die. Made a bunch of X, Y, or Z with it, you know, planeswalkers like hit like all the stuff you're supposed to hit. And his cards were, he, 
I kind of flooded out, right? And he drew more and better spells than me. Well, right. how come I won? We just looked, and like the games were just like, oh, well, I just drew two unlicensed disintegrations. <laughs> right? Like, that just goes so far. <laughs> like, it's we it's just super weirdly, I don't know. I, I, it, I've been playing the game for 20 years, been a key analyst and critic of formats and decks, etc., for most of those years. And I'm still flabbergasted as to what the heck went wrong when they put in Kaladesh and rotated out some of these sets. Because that, that format with the Crush of Tentacles deck and Den Protector still around and Emrakul around was balanced and fun and there were 15 yes. viable decks. But, 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 but fun and balanced. But games weren't, and games weren't, I think once you get to a point where a game is going to be, can be determined by those first two turns, like so overwhelmingly. You think that's it? I do, I do. I think it, I think it skews everything. I think once you get to like things where stuff's not happening until turn three or turn four, there's so many more decisions. But there was like the Warriors so deck. Someone could play like two ones for one. Sure. But they would just get brickwalled by three one one tokens for three, right? right? Like right, so. Right. So okay, this is what I'd say, like. If you look back at like Pro Tour Milwaukee, which was Battle for, Battle for yeah. Zendikar debut, Gideon was a card. It's a pretty good card, right? Yeah. Like, Esper player might play one, right? Winning Abzan deck played multiple, right? You play, you play four copies, right? It's a good card. People, you play it like people would respect it, but it was like probably worse than a Siege Rhino. Maybe, maybe not, right? Sure could defend itself, but not, like, invincibly. You know, it was fine. It was a card, but no one was, like, running in terror of a Gideon. The minute Kaladesh rolled in, Gideon somehow became unstoppable. And I, I, just, I still don't get why. Like, like I just remember, like, oh, that's a Gideon. Like, I have, like, five turns to figure out how to win this game. Versus now, I'm, like, drawing three cards a turn, and I can't beat a freaking Gideon. I, I think it comes down to the, that first three turns again. Because you, you have to expend so many resources fighting your opponent's first three turns of the game. They're like, oh, I've got a 3-2 for one. Yeah. I've got a 3-2 for two. I've got a, I just you killed think your it's just like You're like, you're so exhausted. You have to play garbagey stuff like a magma spray in your deck yes. to not die in the first yes. three turns. You, you just, you so just then, dealing with those first couple turns of the game, and then you get to turn four, and you're like, <sighs> and they're like, uh, Gideon. A mediocre planeswalker <laughs> is now going to destroy me. Gideon, now, and now I have two twos for days. Or you haven't dealt with my stuff effectively. Nobody loses two twos. It's the five five unkillable. It's it's just whatever. It doesn't just doesn't matter. It destroys you. Um, yeah, it just it just it just comes up over the top, and I think you've just you've expended so much energy and resource to just deal with their early threats. Or like I liked playing against Ember. I don't know. Like, should we, should we switch? Is that bench smaller? You want to go to the smaller bench? No, I think they're the same size. <laughs> Even if they weren't, am I suddenly becoming so considerate of others? That's yeah, the, I know, but that's like that's like the top eight magic bench. This is well. If you're gonna put it that way, I, I don't guess know what we bench have, this is. This is like fine. I, I like this. This bad bench is just like trees and stuff. I can see the people going by better. I see. Not making comments on them, but apparently <laughs> we're supposed to respect everyone's rights on on this podcast now. Fine. Not Allison Breeze, but you know. <laughs> I, I totally respected Allison Breeze's rights. You were sitting next or to me. Whatever. You were sitting next to me while it was happening, dude. You're a collaborator. Anyway. Uh, unwilling collaborator, perhaps. But yes. So so it's like I was I was I was in a discussion about mag, some some of the new magic cards today yeah. on, on Twitter. 
uh, people were talking about this card, Kefnet's Last Word. I haven't seen it It was yet. spoiled today. Uh, 2UU for a sorcery. Gain control of target artifact, creature, or enchantment. Lands you control don't untap. It's four. It's four. So it's a control magic. Yeah. Your lands don't attack, but you can also get an artifact or an enchantment. Yeah. And so we were talking on you know, Twitter. It's like, why, why couldn't this say, you know, obviously a bomb and limited. Yeah. You know, is it, but, you know, will it hit standard? And it's like, why couldn't this say permanent? Why can't, like, isn't magic more fun when you can annex a land? You can take a planeswalker? No, you can't take a planeswalker with this. That's what I was saying. Why couldn't it just say permanent? Is is it like how awful is it for someone to go to a magic tried. tournament and like I think that card seems pretty board. good to me. Yeah. Yeah. You think it's good enough? I don't know. I'd try it. It's uh yeah, but but is is annex just like it feels like you know just give me an idea of where and that was a tournament playable card. We had it in the sideboard of the blue red Isatron deck uh, that Osip used to. Make top eight of uh, Honolulu one. Was it Honolulu one? Yeah, I think that was Honolulu one. That's the same one as Guillaume, where Guillaume uh, Wafo control. Or yeah, he didn't make top eight though. No, no, he didn't. It was it was top sixteen. Yeah, it was just like the first Guillaume Wafo top eight tournament. That's where Guillaume, you fell in Wafo love with top him. eight. That's where you fell in love with him. My blue red deck did better. You still fell in just love. Putting with it him. out there. Um. I want to talk about that UU3 card that's, like, real good. You want to talk about that UU3 card? You know the one. I, I Do I? Are you sure? There's a UU3 card that... Is it uh, Ominous Sphinx? No. It's not a dude. It's an instant. All right. It's it. No. I, it's, not, uh, it's not on the official Wizards page. I don't know. Somebody tweeted it to me. Maybe it's made up. <laughs> What if they like? What if they're like, hey, talk about this card? But it was like not a real card. It was like Michael J's falsies. <laughs> Do the yeah. following six things. I can't believe they made that. Yeah, neither can Mark Rosewater. Can't believe they made it either. Um, so just in the same in the same vein as, and we'll, like you said, we'll we'll do this next week where we'll talk about all the cards. Yeah. But uh, one of the cards that I wanted to ask you about is hold on. Where did it go? Uh, Oketra's Last Mercy. So it's one WW for a sorcery, and then your life total becomes your starting your, life becomes time. equal to your starting life total. Lands yeah. you control don't untap during your next untap step. This, this is a lot of life gain. Like life gain, obviously not a great thing, but like I love life gain. Uh, yeah, I know you do, but like it's not historically. A, a tournament playable mechanic, but like we used to play George Wisdom. Josh Travitt says that that my love of life game is like the biggest blind spot in my entire <laughs> magic. Because, like if it's like, like I love a I love a lightning helix. I love a Patrick Patrick. He I think, love a renewed faith. Recently, I think Patrick said something to me like, I don't think anyone has ever loved a faith spreader as much as you. <laughs> like because I was, when we were talking about cast that, I'm like, well, this card would be better if you gained four life when it came. <laughs> I, I, I would just sideboard four. If, if a deck didn't have four Fates Fetters in the main deck, which many of them didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it, but many of them didn't. 
I'd make sure that they were in the sideboard. I love Faith's Fetters so, so much. So how do you feel about Oketra's Last Mercy? I mean, that's that's it's a, interesting. That's a backbreaker for a lot of decks. Yeah, but the thing is, it it only gains a lot of advantage if they've beaten the bejesus out of you. Right. Well, there's decks that that's all they do. Yeah, but like if you just think about a Gerard's Wisdom, right? So you're like, I'm at like I can, 17 I life. I do love a Gerard's Wisdom. Yeah, like at 17 life, you cast a Gerard's Wisdom, you're at 27, right? So they have to like beat you up to get you back down, right? Click. Clearly, you're not playing Sylvan Library Pursuit of Knowledge. We'll get, we'll get there, right? No, you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, they got to get you. They got to get you down. But, but you're going up to 27, right? Right. They yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if you're gonna cast Oketra's Last Mercy, you, you don't want to play with a life salary cap. It's, but it's it's not just if it were just a life salary cap versus also like not untapping your lands and and um. Uh, it being so conditional on time, right? If it's like if you if you just had a card, it's just like go to twenty or whatever. I mean, I guess like in Commander, you get more life. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. But like, it's only it's only useful in very particular times of the game versus a card that just gains life, right? So this is only this is one more mana than Renewed Faith with a heck of a condition stuck to it. But if I Renewed Faith on, oh, I guess if you cast Renewed Faith, it's the same, right? I can, look, if you think about it on a comparative basis, I can just cast Renewed Faith on turn three and go up higher than this thing would give me in the average game, right? With no drawback. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I actually think Oketra's Last Mercy might be a highly viable sideboard card. That's, that's what I'm, th I mean, But that's it's got what I'm so many about. things wrong with it, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it's like deformed. Throw me another one. Let's see. How do you feel about Torment of Hellfire? Oh, is that the one I think it is? That it's the X XBB. This seems like you're kind of you were. I mean, you were a big. Um, what was the uh, what was the RBX? Uh, oh, discard your hand yeah, and get demolished for life. Yeah, they discard their hand. Yeah. Rakdos's return. Rakdos's return. Rakdos's return. It's S apostrophe S Rakdos's return, not Rakdos return. Rakdos's return. I was saying dose like in Spanish. I was doing, it was like a little piece of slang. Oh. plural. Dose, dose essays. still doesn't work. Dose essays at the end, right? <laughs> so, Torment of Hellfire, uh, XBB, re repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. So, so if you like, do so it if for I just do it for BB, I don't have to pay. If zero. I don't pay, Repeat. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, you repeat it zero times. You don't do it. So for one, you do it once. So so what do you think of this? Card? So for three, basically they have to like vindicate themselves for something or, or take or take three or take three. Yeah. Yeah, I think like if you've got like a hundred mana, it's awesome. It's, it seems like too spotty to me. Yeah. Like, if, like think about it. If you cast it for four, like. Let's say somebody nugs you with this for four mana, BB2. You're like, all right, four mana, sacrifice a sapperling token and take three. Like, nobody's, it's a sorcery, right? Yeah. Nobody's crying in their cereal over that. It's <laughs> like, it's horrible a bunch of the time. Like, it's horrible against people with tokens. It's horrible against people with clues. And it's horrible against people with decision-making capabilities. Any of those situations, not good. I think that card will not be highly played in tournament level Magic the Gathering. I find it unlikely that, that card will be viable. Okay. It's certainly interesting to talk about. 
Yeah, I mean it's kind of kind of a cool card. What uh, what other cards? What other cards have, have been interesting to you so far? I don't know, like lots of them. What about Pride Sovereign? Which one's that? So it's a two G. Oh yeah, this for one. a two two cat. The cat lord, the cat perfect, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, Pride Sovereign gets plus one, plus one for each other cat you control. So it's a little bit of a reverse of the lord. Yeah. You know, this is a lord that just steals from its people as opposed like, to granting boons to its people. It's like very Egyptian, right? And then it's a white tap, exert Pride Sovereign, create two 1-1 one, one white cat token creatures with lifelink. Yeah, so there's like... like this is kind of a cool new twist on the exert mechanic. Yeah. Uh, that you get to, like, exert to do stuff. Yeah, like, if somebody attacks you with, like, a 3-3, you can block and then make two cats and then mess up their 3-3. Yes. You would have a 4-4. Like, they would be very, very ill-advised to make that play. Yes. They'll do it. It'll it be might, done. It might It'll happen on the, the day of the pre-release. Um, I, I just, I can't wait. I think there's going to be a great green-white cats deck. Like, because there's a 3-1 cat for G1... Um, you liked Regal Caracal when we, when we it, talked yeah. about the prep of the previous. Side. I think I think that these guys are going to be buddies. Um, there's like you know there's the new double striking cat. There's that new cat that's like fencing ace, but with like an insane buyback ability, right? He's like you know fencing ace is like a card that's good enough to make the top eight of a pro tour. Okay, to start <laughs> with, right? Like not really. Like he's like fringe, but he was like good enough, right? Yeah. Like, whether he did or not, I don't remember. He yeah. certainly made top eight of something. Um, you know Fencing Ace, right? Yeah, of course. White and one, 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 double strike. Uh, so this is white and one, 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 double strike cat. But then it is the additional ability, if it's in the bin, white, white, three, make it four, four. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the uh, externalized mechanic, yeah. right? So he's, like a, so he's basically like an eight, four out of the graveyard. Yeah, externalize is pretty interesting to me in general. There's a there was a I don't know I don't know if it's that good in general, but if you stick it onto a card that was already good enough to play, you're like, here's the extra un uncounterable version, right? Like Well the one that's interesting to me, I mean I guess it's pretty expensive, but it's just kind of a cool a cool from a design perspective, I, I like this card. Champion of Wits. Which so it's to you for a two one Naga Wizard. When Champion of Wits enters the battlefield, you may draw two cards. You may draw cards equal to its power. Yeah, so two. If you do, discard two cards. So right now, it's just it's just draw two, discard two, right? It's just like an is it charm on a creature. On a dude, though. On a dude, So yeah. it's like good filtering, potentially. Yeah. But then it has externalized 5UU. <laughs> so it comes into play as a 4-4. Four, four. So it's draw four, discard two. So it's like super mad card advantage, but for 100 manas. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a cool, and, and again, that's not assuming that's you know assuming you don't have some way to you know boost you know you're playing Naga, Naga Tribal with like lots of power boosts for your Nagas. Well, I think it's interesting. I think like that could be a cool grind. If, for card. example, you played with a Metallic Mimic like, and your Nagas came into play as three ones. Yeah. Well, this could be an interesting card for like um, or a Wizard Tribe. Like a like a blue Jun deck. Like, I don't want to say Grixis. Like, if I say Grixis, people are going to think that I've got good cards in my deck. I mean, like, a blue Jun deck, right? Like, you know, like, the ones that they have now that are just, like, big creatures that cost B because of the dredge, the, not dredge mechanic, what the heck's the name of the mechanic? Makes it cheaper. Treasure Cruise. Oh, Delph. Yeah, yeah, Delph. 
uh, you know, they've got like, oh, here's my 5-5 five, five for one, and like, I've got some creature removal, and like, no counter spells to speak yeah, yeah. of, right? Like, maybe Stubborn Denial. But I think like, if you're playing some kind of a, a blue Jun deck, and you're just trading cards for 50 turns, you could do worse than a 4-4 four, four for 7 that draws 2. Sure, and also just dumping, I mean, if you're, you're doing something with Delve, getting 2 cards into your yard for this yeah. is, is pretty sweet. Uh, what do you what do you think of Nickel Ballas? Uh, I think that I think that something went way way wrong. Because if you think about the band sequence, somebody thought it would be a good idea to have Aetherworks Marvel and Nickel Bolas and Standard at the same time. No, they did not. They would not have been in the. Would they have been in the yeah. same time? Oh, they would have been. Yes. All right. It was yes. Nickel Bolas. It was Nickel Bolas and uh, Ulamog that weren't supposed to be around at the same time or yeah, for so, very long. So like, hey guys. In case you wondered about Aetherworks Marvel being a good enough, you know, costing dump or not, we're just going to make the things that you would want to Marvel for just castable. It's <laughs> your seven. Like, uh, I don't really feel like anyone would ever win if you cast this card. But no, they wouldn't. What if you played with that card that, uh, Dark Intimations, so that your bolus are even bigger when they land, <laughs> right? Like, will someone play with that? Well, they didn't play with it before, but it was, like, pretty close to being good enough. <laughs> It didn't happen to play with it. Now that we have actual boluses, though. <laughs> so, so Nickel Bolus God Pharaoh is seven mana. It's four and Grixis. And then uh, it's a Planeswalker. Comes into play with seven loyalty. Which, by the way... It could easily come into play with, like, ten loyalty, to be clear. But seven loyalty is a lot to begin with. Yeah, but, like... I mean, do you think people are not going to play, like, Cathartic Reunion and... And Dark Intimations. Just casting Dark Intimations is a pretty good card. Yeah. Right? It just does stuff, man. So target op- so for plus two, target opponent exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a non-land card. Until end of turn, you may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Like, this has a high high level of variability how good this could be, right? Like, you could just get their Ulamog, right? You could get their Ulamog, or you could just get their Toolcraft Exemplar, which might not be as good in your Grixis deck. Is there a card that's just, like, repels something to the top of somebody's deck? Oh, yeah. There are multiple there are multiple ways yeah. to do that. Um, plus one, each opponent exiles two cards from his or her hand. Oh, by the way, that's kind of a kick in the teeth. Yeah, so here's the thing. You're like, hey, just to make sure we're doing this right, we're going to make a Planeswalkers that's the same casting cost as Karn, which is a widely played card yeah. in powered formats, and we're just going to add an ability that's just better than the one that people <laughs> use for Karn, right? But same casting cost. Just Karn it exile up. Exile two cards. Yeah. You don't the, get to restart the game to the. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, you know, that's a big attraction of Karn, yeah. starting those new games. Uh, <laughs> I think then, Nug Anything is one of Karn's way, main abilities. Yeah, well, this, by the way, Nugging... Minus four. Nickel Bulls, Godfather deals seven damage to target opponent or creature on opponent controls. So nug anything. Like it go to the face, can go For to a plane. Seven. But you can go to a planeswalker, right? Well if you do it to a, to an opponent, you and then can, redirect to you the can redirect to a planeswalker. So this guy is also a Garrick Apex Predator, right? Yes, yes. He still has remaining loyalty even if you do this. If which you, is yeah, he dumb. comes down, he comes down as you do that, then he's a three. And then he has an ultimate, which is minus twelve. Exile each non-land permanent your opponent's control. Like, no one's ever going to do that. You could just kill them with the sevens, Well, right? I got to tell you, if you ever get this guy down in Commander, I mean, <laughs> you might actually get him to 12. 
there's also multiple ways to just think, cheat them to 12. I think people are going to be discarding dark animations, playing like, like four dark animations, a bunch of like tormenting voice type cards, and like three nickel boluses. And I think they're going to go crazy. So I need to re I need to look up dark imitations, dark intimations. Intimations. It's dark. It's intimate. You keep saying that card. It's intimate. And I remember it's it had something intimate. to do with the God Pharaoh. No, with with bolus planeswalkers bolus in general. Bolus planeswalkers. Not so dark Pharaoh. intimations is two Grixis. Uh, each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, then discards a card. You return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand, then draw a card. If you cast a Nicol Bolas planeswalker spell, if you cast a Bolas planeswalker spell, exile dark imitations from your graveyard, that planeswalker enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter. Yeah. So it's like, you know, three or four for one, right, to start with. Yeah. It's expensive, right? Yeah. It's five. But, like, you can get a good quality thing with it. Yeah. Probably. Uh, and then, you know, gets you some card, card advantage and it's just a thing you might want to do, but it's a thing you might really want to discard. That's sure. my point. Sure. Right? And then... You just get free stuff off of it. Yeah, like even just discarding it to, I don't know, collective brutality or whatever. Just get into the bin. Or you could like have, like you have two, you like discard, cast like a cathartic reunion discard it and like a dude and then cast like it on turn five get the dude back have two in your graveyard land bolus comes into play with 113 loyalty <laughs> I mean again mess some people up come, just coming in with the loyalty it comes in with it's still a pretty good card but here's an example if it starts with nine loyalty for sake of argument yeah. you can deal 14 points of damage to your opponent Without losing bolus. Sure. Okay. If it comes into play with eight, which is only one dark animations in the graveyard, it does 14 points of damage with losing bolus. A seven mana to 14 damage output ratio. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're saying. In the trades, we say this is like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Seven mana to 14 you, damage output? I, I gotta tell you, if we're like in a position where I'm playing this on turn, let's say six or seven or whatever, and I'm nug, you know, nugging your hand the first time and just making you exile two, you're probably not gonna be able to stop me from activating it on the, from going low with it twice. Well, so here, here's the thing that, here's the thing I'd say. Okay, imagine, look, what colors is this in, okay? It's in black and red and blue, okay? Yeah. What colors are would be really good at just pruning somebody's garbagey permanence? <laughs> like, like, uh, let's say they have like one really good permanent and one crappy what permanent. What if they have a bunch of small crappy permanents and then I sweltering suns? Yeah, like, what if they have like a bunch? What if I cast Chandra before I? Cast what if they have this? a bunch of two two knights and one Gideon? Right? <laughs> like, well, do you think we could maybe use one of the black or red cards? or even blue cards to deal with the stupid knights and then use bolus, or I'm sorry, dark intimations to get the good permanent. Yeah. You know, like, you think that's a thing we might be able to do? But I think that's inside our range, right? Like, I think this is, I, I hope it breaks things up, but then I also hope it doesn't make like blue-white spirits. I hate that deck. 
It's just, it's not fun to play against. I hate things that are not fun, yes. Alright, so I uh, I opened up the social medias. I said that we were going to be doing a podcast today. And I asked people, you know, what did they want us to talk about? So, okay. do you want to, do you want to like take some of the field, some of those calls? So, Jesse Munoz said, I want to hear what non-Marvel DC comics you guys <laughs> non-Marvel read. Non-Marvel DC? Non-Marvel DC comics you guys read or would recommend. I mean, for me, it's <coughs> Saga. I don't read a ton of stuff that's yeah. current, but Saga 100%. On, I, I got to go into the library here, make yeah. sure I'm hitting the notes, right? Uh, just FYIs, I read uh, more Marvel than anything else because yeah. of... Um, Marvel Unlimited. Unlimited. So I read like, I probably read three or four ratio Marvel to anything else at this point, which is not historically true for me. Sure. Um, but I do right now. Uh, I don't know if Wanger did this. We were at dinner and uh, I was telling him to get Comixology Unlimited and Wanger for some reason prefers to pay money for paper comics and then not... I didn't know there was a Comixology Unlimited. Yeah. And then How much not, is it? It's cheap. It's like eight bucks a month. And then I can just read whatever I want on Comixology? No. Oh. It, it has a very... It's like... I mean, this is what I currently have on my phone for Comixology Unlimited. It has a pretty good selection of Valiant comics. But like, for example, do you know Rising Stars, J. Michael Straczynski's Top Cow comic from the early 2000s? Yeah, yeah. The entire Rising Stars is on it for free. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... I mean, I can just tell you what, like, is on it for free right now, just on Comixology, on Comixology Unlimited right now. For free, like, they have Lazarus, which is one of my favorite comics, which is Greg Rucka uh, and Michael Lark. Okay, um, I like both of those guys. Uh, they have, like, East of West, which is um, the great Jonathan Hickman, who's uh, Wanger's favorite writer. Okay, Wang likes Nick Spencer now, all right, but... Uh, my old com- uh, comic. Did Nick Spencer like have his house surrounded by villagers with pitchforks and torches now? Probably because of the whole Captain America. Yeah, thing? probably. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, my old uh, comic book idol rival who finished exactly one spot ahead of me. <laughs> so I mean, if you just think about this comics talent, it's just like second best is Jonathan Hickman, third best is Michael J. <laughs> That's how it went down so, in 2003 so, anyway. So, spoilers, by the way. Jesse Munoz, yeah. who is... Uh, I'm collaborating with him on a comic book right now. Yeah? Yeah. So... He is a extremely talented artist, and I shouldn't put that out there in the world because someone will steal him from me. Yeah. But he is awesome. Oh, so there's a comic called Bitch Planet, uh, which is done by um, uh, by Kelly Sue DeConnick from... Uh, you know, she's done a lot of stuff for yeah. her, but she's mostly known for making uh, kind of the really I, what word would you use to describe how Carol Danvers is currently portrayed like I don't want to I, like, I don't I don't read a ton of Marvel stuff well, she's got like you know like I the blonde know. faux hawk and like, it, think about Carol Danvers historical costume right it's like one of the most sexualized Marvel costumes ever like thigh boots high high cut yeah um, kind of leotard uh, and like as far as I can tell she got her superpowers from Stooping the original Captain Marvel back in the seventies, right? Like she, like she caught being Cree from him, right? Like yeah. that, that's basically what happened, yeah, right? Like, yeah, sure. And then, then had like one of those like horrible like phantom pregnancies that like the you know the all the the feminist anti sci fi blogs will go after. Like she's like the trope of like 
don't do it this to a female character. But now she's like the they made her like the they call her the boss of space, but she's like super covered from head to toe, right? Like, you know, long sleeves even, pants. Then she's got like this very uh, I don't know what adjectives you like I like this style, right? Like uh the singer Pink has a, you know, kind of the blonde shaved sides yeah. faux hawk, but like she's she's not she's not the Carol Danvers of the seventies and eighties, you know what I mean? Uh, let's see. Uh, but anyway, she has this comic called Bitch Planet, which is an, an amazing idea. It's just, like, basically a planet where they put, like, unruly women. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you, like, talk out of turn to your husband, they'll stick you on Bitch Planet. And, uh, you know, like, well, so that he can watch football all day or whatever yeah. you'd have to do. Like, so, um, that's on Comixology Unlimited. I, I think you should get it. It's got like eight bucks a month. It's just nothing. They have, oh, man, I paid for most of these Morning Glories. Great. <laughs> also Nick Spencer. I, I think I own them all. Uh, and I paid for all these birthrights. Apparently now they're on Unlimited. So they have a ton of great Image comics on, on it. Um, uh, one of my favorite comics from Image from a few years ago is actually called Danger Club. They have that great on. Name. They have that on. It's like, what if the Teen Titans were cool? <laughs> uh, Teen Titans are super cool. Uh, they have a couple of volumes of Lock and Key, which everybody knows is I like love my Lock favorite. And Key, yeah. uh, they have that on Unlimited. Unlimited. I, need, I need to pick up a couple more. I think I've only read the first two collections. They have all of the Gail Simone Red Sonias, which I would have never read. Uh, and I, they actually have a fair amount of Dynamite comics, which I would never buy those, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, they actually have great creative teams, you know, starting with Alex Ross and, you know, they incorporating people like Gail Simone, anyone from Kevin Smith to Mark Wade, you know, and, like, I would just never buy them because yeah. I don't care about the Green Hornet, really. But if they're going to put it on Unlimited, I'll read it for free. Yeah. Yeah. So they have that. And then uh, the other thing I'd say is, I was with Wang and 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 I and I was just like, oh, you should get unlimited, and he's just like, shut up, and, and then he starts starts talking to me about um, Transformers. I want to say Transformers more than meets the eye, People which is like love, a, Matt, Matt loves Transformers. Comics. Transformers more than meets the eye in particular. I haven't read it yet, but it's like the story is. I think like the Autobots win the war or whatever, and like what are they? What are you going to do now that you've won the war? He's like, oh, you should read this, and I'm like, let's see here, and I'm like. Bleep! first three trades are on Unlimited. <laughs> He's like, what? And I'm like, this is how, this is why I bought an, I, uh, an iPod. I was out to dinner. Like, I didn't know, why didn't we need an iPod? I have a CD player, right? And I was out to dinner with, like, Brooke North, Tony, uh, Tony Sai, and Tim McKenna. This is like 2003. Like, nobody had, had iPods yet. Yeah. And uh, Tim McKenna started talking about his favorite Liz Fair song. And I'm like, I don't know which Liz Fair song that is. And he, he just slams this white brick onto the table. <laughs> and, and he's like, give it a listen. It's from uh, her second album, which I didn't like that much. Yeah. That's why I didn't yeah. remember which one it was. But anyway, then I was like, all right, I guess I should own an iPod. And I, I owned one the next week. Did you own an iPod ever? I did. Not I did. anymore. No, I mean, I have a phone. I don't even have, I don't even use iMusic on my iPhone. Oh, I do. I just have Spotify. I don't buy. Yeah, but it's the same, right? Like, like spot, but Spotify, I can just download everything I want from Spotify same. onto I my phone. I pay like what, fifteen bucks a month or yeah. whatever, and then. It's not, is it even that much? I have a family plan. Oh. Okay. So there's four of us. Yeah. Okay. And my daughter listens to like, she's just gonna be one of these. Brian Kibler listening to DJs with glowing marshmallow <laughs> hats. Jesus Christ! It's like, oh yeah, he's a great DJ. I'd punch him, but he has a marshmallow hat on. Like it's gonna sustain no damage. So I'm just gonna have a sticky hand. So, so continuing on though, Mark Fritter. By the way, way to just gloss over that I'm collaborating on a comic book project with someone. Yeah, I've been there, man. 
What, what, you want to talk about it? No, I don't want to talk about it yet. But I wanted you to be a little more excited for me. I, I am very... I, so, I, I apologize for not being more excited. I would have been excited in other contexts, but I'm just gushing about comics. Yeah. I was on the... I was on, I was on the momentum. But just to say, because he said non-Marvel, non-DC, I would actually make a huge recommendation. I actually, when it was your birthday a few months ago, I, you were in the East Village, right? So yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm actually free right this second. I went into St. Mark's Comics, which is like two blocks from where you were. And I'm like... Give me a copy of I Am Gotham. I Am Gotham is Tom King's new, the first volume of Tom King's new Batman, uh, post-New 52, the, what they call the Rebirth Batman. Yeah. So I, was, it's, I, would, I would have strongly said that I Am Gotham is my favorite Batman trade of all time. And then I remembered that The Dark Knight Returns and Year One yeah. and some of these other things. I mean, even Catwoman. I would say Catwoman Runs is probably my favorite of all time. You know? Yeah. I, I, didn't I give you all the is, Darwin Cook Is that the Darwin Cook? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 it's a different Darwin Cook one. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, no, no, it's, I think it's at Brewbreaker. Okay. But he, Darwin did the first trade with him. This one is Cameron Stewart. Okay. It's... I love Cameron Stewart. Unreal so. how good it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway... Which is very funny, because my reply to Jesse was, I like comics with time travel and Batman. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. anyway, I would have said... Sorry, so, like, it's a brand new trade, right? I had just read it. It's a brand new trade. They don't have it at St. Mark's Comics, and I'm just like, F it, I'm not even going to Brian's party now. Yeah, so I thanks. just went home. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I would just, huge recommendation to this. Tom King, if you don't know the name, he's the guy who, every I'm, everyone who follows comics knows that The Vision was like basically the number one uh, reviewed comic of 2016. He wrote The Vision, now he's writing Batman. Unreal. It's, I would say it is on the order of, it is not on the order of Dark Knight Returns <laughs> or. Or year one, but it is of comics that are not that. It is very good, have you, have you very seen, very good. By the way, it just came out apparently today. The Elmer Fudd Batman crossover. I, I saw you tweet about it, but I didn't read I'm it. A, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna buy it on yeah. my way home tonight. So there's a comic store right there, right there. There's also a comic store right train. next to where I get the. Oh, are you going up to Midtown? Yeah, yeah to okay. Midtown. Okay. Anyway, Midtown comics. All right. So Mark Fritter said anything but basketball or standard. Sorry. So we talked, talked a little standard. We didn't talk any basketball. We don't have to. We probably won't. But he's a big football fan. So are you happy about today's announcement? I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm happy. Sad for you. Yeah. Like a. So 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 we're gonna talk about basketball. I'm sorry, Mark. I'm Phil, not sorry. Yeah. Well, well, you know, let's not talk about basketball. I don't need a hateful meme from Slurs yeah, McKenzie. Okay, I don't need that. Okay? What's the hateful meme? You retweeted it last night. What was it? This is what I'm like when Mike's talking about the Warriors to Brian. <laughs> Did I retweet that? You retweeted it. We're not talking about basketball. This is not, that's the extent well, of our Phil, basketball. Phil Jackson fired by the Knicks. Was fired, yeah. I mean, or mutually. They, they broke up. Yeah. They broke up, yeah. But, I mean, it gives me some hope. I mean, apparently, they're talking about trying to hire away the Toronto uh, GM. I mean, he but he literally built all his credibility by policing the Knicks. And so, so my, my, I made the argument that he's actually just sleeper agenting. If he gets hired, maybe yeah. that's Toronto's like we're never going to fleece the Knicks again unless we get a sleeper agent in there, which would make him the man on Manchurian candidate. <laughs> What's up with that Chris Paul trade? I don't know. Houston gave up a hundred players, none of whom matter. I've been out all day, so I've only seen right, like so Chris people Paul talking about it briefly on Twitter. So, despite the fact that James Harden had his best season ever playing point guard, the first player to break a thousand assists in a year since John Stockton, they're like, "Hey, you know, we need a point guard." <laughs> what? And they give up their whole roster, who's not James Harden, basically. So they're just gonna. Did fill they give up Patrick Beverly? 
I think so. Really? They gave up like, I want to say seven players, an enormous number of players. Here, I'll, I'll, yeah, we can, while you look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how many players they gave up. I'm pretty sure they gave up get Beverly. Um, to, to, don't get me wrong, I, I historically would say that I love, I love uh, Chris Paul, but like he's past thirty and only has one leg. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, eight players. Jesus. But none of them matter. Like, it's not like they gave up like any other players that matter, right? Like, um, I mean, Patrick Beverly. If, if it's Patrick Beverly, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. He's a great defender. All right. Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Sam Decker. Montrezl Harrell. Darren Hillard. DeAndre Liggins, ex-Cavalier. Lou Williams. Lou Williams is kind of a semi-real player. <laughs> and Kyle Wiltshire. And a first-round pick. And Cash. How many players is that? Wait, so Beverly, Decker, Harrell. Jeremy Cash? Hill, Hill, Hilliard, Liggins, Lou Williams, Wiltshire, and eight players they gave up. I didn't know you could do that. Wow. So, yeah, and it's kind of, I mean, it does seem like it's kind of a weird fit because Harden is so is so good distributing the ball. Harden had the best point guard season. But maybe, maybe I mean, I don't know. But then maybe, then maybe Harden just gets to, like, go off even more as an offensive, like, no, no, as, a, as a scoring Two-thirds player. of the MVP candidates this year were point guards. But he's not, it, Harden had an outstanding season because he played point guard instead of shooting guard. He got a thousand assists. I understand. He's not going to do that if you put him in but, shooting guard. But then, but then, maybe he just goes. Are off, you just going to bench Chris Paul? Is that like, like maybe just maybe the two of them? I, I, I actually don't know. thought I thought there was an argument to be made. Like, like last year, like, before we made that like, wacko trade, where like we're like it turned out Verjao couldn't play anymore and all that stuff. I actually thought there was a, a universe where the Cavs should bench LeBron. Play like play this weird bottom heavy starting. A lot of the players are fungible, and they just have LeBron play some kind of like Manu Ginobili, James Harden off the bench strategy to stretch out how many good players the Cavs had. But LeBron would just never do that, right? Yeah. But we don't even have that personnel anymore. Okay. Because he so, was just to just to cut the basketball. We I'm sorry. We've now talked about standard end basketball, yeah. Mark. But uh, he's a ba- he is a football fan, and he asked when football season starting, and he. Well, he likes the Bears. He also follows the Giants. So I'm just going to say, New York Giants this year, insane wide receiving core at every level. They've got, so, like, tons of three threes for four. They, they're going to be great. All right. They're going to be great. Okay, Ted Knutson. I know Teddy. You don't have to tell me. I know what he asked. Number one, how will LeBron get his next championship? I don't yeah. know. I don't know if he has another one in him. Really? I don't know. No clue. Did And now, has Paul George... Settled anywhere today? Has any? I mean, Paul he, George says he, he says if LeBron commits to the Cavs, Paul George is a Cav for real, right? That's that's basically so, what I mean, he that, said. That seems like a, a good start. There's no way a rational human being will trade Kevin Love for Paul George, which is what the thing that people are. Kevin Love is better than Paul George to begin with, and they play different positions. And Paul George plays the same position as LeBron. How how are we improving by trading a better player? At power forward for an, which Paul George is a very good player. He's not as good as Kevin Love. Okay, like that, and he's he's had debilitating injuries. Like this isn't that. If you can get Paul George for nothing, sure. If you're trading, if you're trading one of the big three, who's the least? I mean, actually, LeBron James is the least replaceable of the big three, right? But like, but like Kevin Love, in his bad games in the final, like 
he would have been an MVP candidate on any normal team. If you look at how he performed in the playoffs. He looked great, he looked great in the playoffs. Unbelievable in the playoffs, right? Like, it, why would you trade Paul George is very good. Don't get me wrong. But you trade all these players north of 30. How, is, how old, how old is, is Paul George at this point? Over 30. Is he over 30? I think so. Don't, oh. All right. Don't. Uh, don't we don't up. look things up. This, We're this, bullsh- bullshit. We've been looking stuff up for a long time how now. How old is Paul George? Twenty-seven. Oh, That's, that was oh. my guess. Oh, okay, that was my guess. Honestly. Still has had debilitating injuries. I don't know about this. <laughs> yes. I thought he was over. All right, I stand corrected. He's only twenty-seven. Uh, twenty-seven. With, I mean, that's better than Chris Paul. Eight players for a thirty-two-year-old player with one leg. Chris Paul's still- over thirty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if not, if not in real years, in dog yeah. years, for sure. So he's like had he's had like one knee for five yeah. years, or something, yeah, right? Yeah. So Paul George has had one leg for two years. Uh, yeah, I, I cannot imagine trading Kevin Love to get him, right? I, I think if you get him for free, right? That One of those things I described, Paul George didn't make an NBA team. Kyrie and LeBron promised to pass to him. He'll at least make, you know, whatever, and then they could do one of those Supermax contracts next yeah. year, make up for the fact they can only give him a veterans contract this yeah. year. I think that's something that I'd be I'd be open to. But no way do you trade a core player. I wouldn't trade Tristan Thompson for him. Okay. That which, was, is, which is where I was going to maybe go, but... Tristan Thompson is... Basically, the best based on the current NBA fee structure, he is basically the best contract of any big. Why would you give him up for? I, I think Chris Thompson is better than Paul George too, right? Like, okay. I think Paul George is don't get me wrong, very good. There's a lot of good Cavaliers, right? They did blow out every single team that wasn't the Warriors, right? Like, they raffle stomped them all, right? Yeah, it's a very good team. It's not, it's not like one player and like eleven bad players. Like, for example, the 2007 Finals team <laughs> was not a good team, right? This isn't a one-player team. It's like a, you know, four-player. <laughs> There's like a solid seven players on it. I love J.R. Smith. Still? I'm in love with J.R. I mean, and, and, and J.R., we've, we've talked about it. It's six for seven in game five. And we were also saying, we were also J.R. had some personal You notice the second his daughter wasn't dead, all of a sudden he was going six for seven for three, the guy? Yeah, I agree. So Ted also asked about if you were going to, live your lifelong dream and now become the next GM. That's not my lifelong dream. I, well, I my lifelong dream is to become, is to be like 40 odd years old, come off the bench for the Cavs, do like the Reggie Miller, like the Cavs are down by like nine with like 30 seconds to go. I Reggie Miller off the off the bench, land like, but then just like, all, like uh, and then like the new tagline would be, we'll sell you the whole ticket, but you're only gonna need the last 30 seconds of the game. Cause I just, all I do is I come off Reggie <laughs> Miller every game, and then, and then, uh, but like all, like all threes, like average and not triple double, and never in my, like I'll be so great for like 30 seconds. Never make double digits, right? So I'll like make the regular <laughs> sports fans like incredulous. Like, how could he be the best? He's the best because he scores like three threes a game, doesn't really miss, gets a steal, you know, like you only play 30 seconds. And they're like, but he never even has double digits. Then Cavs Dan won't give me a max contract. Because you, you know you only score like nine points a game, and you only play thirty seconds of playoff series or whatever. But we we'll always win, right? So then I would go play for the Knicks for one season, where like I start for Dolan, average 40, 40 points a game, starting, play one year, and then go back to the Cavs. <laughs> but this is oh, this is all this is all from your year forty age onward. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This, how long do you think I've been thinking about this? <laughs> this is a very well developed fantasy trust. Like I would do like the I would do the interview and be like. Look, you know, I'm a Cavs guy, but like my kids are from my kids are both born in New York. They never let to see their dad play up close. Blah blah blah. I'll play a season and it's just like 
win, win I, I don't know if I would feel right winning the title for the Knicks, you know, but then, then, but that, but then I would just go back to the Cavs. Like, at the end of 46 or something, maybe I would retire. All right. So, <coughs> so Gabriel GS, who is at RockBard on Twitter, wants us to talk. I know RockBard. You do? Yeah. I mean, he wants Twitter. Us, he wants us to talk about comparisons of modern decks to NBA franchises, or NBA playoff teams. So he clearly doesn't want us to talk about the Knicks here. Yeah. So, so I only have one, and I think it's a it's a deck that's very powerful, has a lot of bigs. Um, it it is the Memphis Grizzlies equals Eldrazi Tron. Yeah. Like they don't act, they get to the playoffs, but it doesn't actually win. Like I think like uh, I think like uh, the Warriors are Merfolk, right? You think the Warriors are Merfolk? Yes. How can the Warriors be Merfolk? Number one, blue jerseys. Number two, what's what's the Warriors what's the Warriors catchphrase? Strength in numbers. The Merfolk are all lords. The entire team is like Lord Merfolk is like Lord of the Pearl Trident, right. like Marriage. Their their team is only all stars. Right. You right. never look at it, right? They're all stars that make all of them better. All and right. and they even though they're a blue deck, they're a stompy deck. They're a mono offense deck. People don't realize that about them. Oh, they have some vapor snags, right? <laughs> that's like I'm when I'm that's like Well, no, no, that's like when they go cripple Kawhi, right? <laughs> You're like, here, take one. <laughs> We're just bouncing him. What's the problem? They're so dirty, you know. But they're. I feel strong. I think that I think that the Warriors are merful. Strength okay. in numbers. I like it. Right. So, so Gabri- Gabriel's case. Gabriel's case was that um, the Spurs would be merful. How? I don't know. The entire Merfolk deck is Lords. He said not much removal or destruction. It's an all-star team. Yeah. I, I like I like your case. Uh, Matt Ferrando chimed in and said we should definitely talk about the Knicks. We've we already, already did. That. Already We've already did. done that. So you got to... You get, good news is you get to keep Przingis. Yeah. The bad news is you get to keep Melo. Well, this girl was, who works in my office... Could still, he could still be waived. This girl who works in my office, she lives in this building that KD just took, just like took an apartment and like Melo and Przingis live there. It's an apartment building on the west side, yeah. and there's a gym. They play basketball in there, but she doesn't care about sports. <laughs> it's and it's it's actually shockingly. By, not- the, way, by the way, I mean, so yeah. so the Knicks, so, by the way, have a good young foundation. Like, I, obviously, Melo is a is a big and Noah the Noah contract, which is dreadful. But <laughs> Billy Hernan Gomez just made the All Rookie Team. Yeah, so that's like two years in a row of All Rookie Team. Dion Waiters made the All Rookie. All right, whatever. But like, I'm just saying that there's some there's some good young foundation. I'm just saying there's an actual apartment that KD just took a just took an apartment there too. And I'm just like, they just have one. And it's like, and it's not even that expensive. Like, she's just like a girl lives and works in my office. Like, I mean, like when I say not that expensive, it's expensive to the average person, right? Yeah. But like, if you think of an NBA player, I'm like, I'm gonna get a regular apartment in a regular apartment building that's like six grand a month or something. That's not crazy for someone who makes $25 million a year, yeah. right? Like, that's just not exorbitant. That's just a regular New York rent, you know? I, I know this is offensive to people who don't live here, but, but people would plausibly play, pay that much for, like, a, you know, one or two bedroom in New York. But the building has a gym and it has a pool. Yeah. So, like, I guess they're just going to rock out. But Katie, I guess because Katie's not in New York very often, so just kind of like a regular, like a crash pad maybe. Yeah. But, but isn't that mess? I'm just like, yeah, she's, her husband's just talking to Zinger in the hallway. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like... I need to move, clearly. It's on the river. It's like it right across from where it's like maybe around 51st Street on 11th Avenue. It's one of those big glass buildings. Yeah. But it's out of the way. It's not even near the train. Yeah. It's like well, three I, avenues if over. You're, if you're, you don't need to be near the train. 
if, if you're them. If you're them. Did I tell yeah, you that? You, don't, you actually might arguably not want to be near the train. Did I tell you that? Because we were eating dinner at, uh, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, uh, but it's like attached to the Conrad Hotel down by where I live. Yeah. And it was like me, my wife, Tony, Sai, and his wife were like having dinner. And like we're just laughing, and he's just like, my guy looks like Craig Oden. And then we're like, oh, yeah, you told yeah, me. Yeah, and I'm like, Shark, look at his jersey. He's like wearing a heat t shirt. <laughs> and he's like, oh my God, that's Craig Oden, right? Because the Heat were playing a playoff game with uh, uh, with the Nets that night, yeah. right? So he's just eating dinner. We like looked out the window, and it was like LBJ and like Wade got into like an unmarked black SUV. I'm sure they were going to some horrible club or whatever yeah. right but yeah. they're just getting the they're like they just actual lebron james actual Dwayne wade actually getting into an unmarked black suv by the way you mentioned you talk about the nets thank god that Shaq's got fired because, because you would have had to become a nets I, fan I, if, if kp had been traded I, I i vowed to become a Nets. who do they even have now who the nets well, they just got D'Angelo Russell. But they don't have AK-47 anymore, right? They don't have Darren. They don't have AK-47. Do they have Lopez still? No, they traded Lopez. They don't have any of the players I can remember <laughs> since they're coming to Brooklyn. They're, they're, they're an interesting... I think they're probably an interesting young team. I know, I know Marshall's more optimistic about his Nets fandom perhaps now than he was in the past. Yeah, but it's just like, what does this even mean? Like, at least there's West teams like the Rockets and the Spurs who are trying to try... But like, what's happening in the East? The well, East the, teams I are mean, like, all right, net, we'll just give the, our All Stars to the Cavs. The Nets no have to dig deal. their way out of a hole. I mean, that's that they're making their first steps towards doing that. You know, if you're a Nets fan, you know what you're hoping for is, you know, some long climb up, and like for the first time in a long time, you can see a ladder. When is Philadelphia <laughs> going to pay off? I feel like they were supposed well, aren't to. Aren't they supposed? Don't they pay off this year? Isn't they're this supposed year, to. This year, gonna... this year is the year they they, they, they certainly make. I mean, playoffs. they have so many great assets. How many times did they win the Rookie of the Year award? Right? Yeah. Like, I, I think this is. I think this. I think. I mean, I think they, they certainly feel like they're in a position to suddenly be like the Golden State Warriors of the. But East. they got like. Noel and Embiid so underpriced because of those injuries, and then like they don't even have Noel anymore. Like, it seems weird. Both of those guys should have been Cavs. <laughs> Stu Summer said we should talk about Stu, and we have now, so we can move on. All right. Uh, Wanger said we should talk about Wang. We already did that. We've already times. done that. Uh, Rich. And Fine. we even talked about which stupid comics writers you like. I love Nick Spencer. <laughs> Richard Fine says we should talk about Phil Jackson and French point guards. We've talked about uh, Phil Jackson, but uh, we. What other French point guards are there? Frank Nicolatina, the Knicks' number one first-round draft pick. I have no idea who that is. The only French point guard. He's eighteen. He's eighteen. He's a draft pick. He's already played in the European leagues, so he's like got like pro-level experience. Apparently, a pretty good lockdown defender. Uh, Maybe not as you know offensive. As a weapon, say, as you uh, might be Tony used to. Tony Parker. For, as you might be, you know, or I was going to say, but we could just talk about Tony Parker. Well, you know, I was actually thinking about this recently because of how Kyrie played in the playoffs. You know, I've always said Tony Parker's my favorite player in the key ever. Like, I like him more than Michael. But, you know, watch the Tony Parker's so magical in the key. Yeah. So gorgeous. And I was, like, watching Kyrie, and I, you know, I'm just a big Kyrie hater, right? Like, <laughs> like everyone's like, oh, Kyrie's pretty good. I'm like, shut up. You don't know, you don't know about basketball statistics. Is Kyrie just the better version of Tony Parker? Kyrie is unstoppable. That does not sound like much of a Kyrie hater. Yeah, I, you know, seriously, I've always been like underplayed how good Kyrie is yeah. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like even Worth will be like, oh, I want to have his babies or whatever, and I'd be like, shut up. He's like, he doesn't play defense. He's like one-dimensional. He's not a one-dimensional player. Like he hits big threes a lot, but 
his he every defense is toilet paper to him, right? Like he he cut down the warrior everyone, right? Like even when he misses, it looks phenomenal. Is it possible? He's just the better Parker. I love Parker. So. Yeah. By, by the way, just just going back to yeah. not Tony Parker and yeah. Fred Nicolatina, or Harvey Nicolatina. I'd be pretty excited to see the Knicks quietly build a young core around KP, Willie Hernan Gomez. Uh, I I mean I like Kuzmingas too this past year. I thought Kuzmingas was great. Like. Remember when I was all excited about the Cavs building a young core to become like the second coming of Oklahoma City, and then they just got LeBron and then traded all their young players for old people. I would also accept this outcome. <laughs> like, like, for the they're, like, like, they're cultivating like, oh man. I would man, also accept we've this. We've got outcome. Tristan Thompson. We've got Kyrie. Look at all these first-round draft picks we've got. We're stockpiling. Oh, LeBron, huh? <laughs> Give me every 35-year-old player who can who can play the pick and roll in the entire league. So, uh, Real Evil Genius on Twitter asks... He's a for, real evil genius. He asks for comic suggestions for summer reading, but I feel like we've already we've already done that. I Am Gotham, man. It's okay. super good. If you like if you like mainstream comics, I Am Gotham. Um, uh, best Marvel comic is The Amazing Spider-Man, in my opinion. So good. Dance lot. Love it. Like, it, nobody ever talks about it as, like, one of the best comics. People, like... I, a lot of people just hate Dance Lot because he does stuff that, like... Like ah, I only people lo- love people love his Silver Surfer. I I haven't read that yet. I've read it all and I don't love it. <laughs> like I mean I don't hate it. I've read it all, but like you just can't even. First of all, his She-Hulk is a work of genius, right? Him and and Juan Bobillo from like 15 years ago. I I gave Dan Slott writing work before that. Okay, well. Swords of the Sharpay for Crusade Entertainment. Him <laughs> and Juan Bobillo on She-Hulk. Yeah. Comics don't get you've any always, better. You've always talked about that. Uh, that's why I even tried him on Spider-Man, right? Because yeah. like, I don't, I'm not like a, I don't know like what listeners think, but I'm not like a mainstream comics reader. That's not my wheelhouse. Yeah. Like I, I like, like you like you say Saga, right? Like you're like, oh, what are your like ten favorite comics? I, I would I just really name like all these like image comics or right. something that like you've never heard of or like I probably once texted Brian. Every single readable comic is just like astronauts in trouble, right? Like it's like, a, 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 like you know, you know, just like some indie publisher that doesn't exist anymore, and <laughs> just like, well, I think that might be an overstatement. I'm sure there's some comics in color that are readable, <laughs> you know. So like, I mean, I read a lot of Marvel just because of Unlimited, but like, norm, I'm like more of like a, a Lazarus, like Manhattan Projects, like that, those kind of comics. But I mean, Amazing Spider-Man, Vision, like stuff that House of Ideas is putting out is actually yeah, Hawkeye. Obviously, like not three, three, three years ago. Three years ago, Hawkeye. Anyway, that's where I'm up to, buddy. Yeah, well, that's where you're I'm up behind. To. I'm catching up. That's really good. I agree. Uh, Rob Boville says we should mix things up and talk about Magic the Gathering. <laughs> jokes on him. Why don't him. we just come back? To jokes Magic on Gathering. Jokes on him. We talked about it. Well, and we're, we're gonna. But we've already said also we're gonna like next week. Oh yeah, we're gonna go deep next week. We're gonna go deep next week. All right, that's it. Um, we had a blood pact. Yeah, yeah, we did. We're we are actually. Ankle deep in our own body. I actually here. need a transfusion. <laughs> Dying. Uh, Paul Freudo, Freudo, Freudo uh, says he needs basketball over a background of public transportation. And I feel like we've delivered that. Like uh, there's a lift public transportation? I mean, there's been buses. Right. Ambulances are public transportation. I, I got it. I got there was an ambulance. I got it. Um, Chris Meyer wants the top eight red cards in standard. But I, I don't know that... I mean, we've talked about 
perhaps unlicensed the, disintegration. I mean, if that's, that's I, if a red monocar, card. I think the best red card standard is Magnus Bray. And we're talking about Magnus Bray, but it, it's not deep, right? I mean, I'm thinking uh, Magma Spray, Chandra Harness Flame Lightning, Caller. Harness Lightning. Yeah, Harness Lightning for sure. Um, Chandra Flame Caller for sure. Both of the Chandras are good. Oh, you okay. Which uh, Chandra do you like better? The right six. Now. Six. You like six, okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I, the thing that's annoying to me is when you're playing against Team or Energy and you have like an Essence Scatter in your hand and they play Chandra. On that's four, really crappy. Four, yeah. On four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or when you have and they get in your hand and then they play Hydra. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, but yeah, Team Energy is an okay deck. Uh, let's see, I think, but the red cards in that deck are like Harness Lightning and and uh, like Whirl of Virtuoso. Like, like, I mean, does Whirl of Virtuoso count? That's a good red card. Yeah, I mean, it certainly, I mean, it certainly counts. Sweltering Suns, I play I, I play think, like yeah, we talked about Sweltering Suns a lot. But I, I don't even, eight? It's Magma Spray and Harness Lightning and some Chandras and everything else is way worse and I think and I think again next week we're going to do go deep on Hour of Devastation yeah. previews and, and really talk about a bunch of the cards so we'll get a better sense of maybe what we're looking at as we go to as the Pro Tour heads to Japan and all sorts of cool stuff happening um, so uh, you know I don't understand so I can't even say his name because it's like a bunch of letters but he wants to know it's reading Brian well, Put the letters next to each other. K-A-N-K-L-H-D. Kankle H-D. Kankle H-D. H oh, man, I would not watch that channel. <laughs> I would not watch the Kankle H-D channel. It's just all Hillary Clinton. <laughs> uh, thoughts on, he wants thoughts on our Devastation spoilers so far. We talked about We talked about it. We're going to go deep next vintage week. Vintage Cube picks. I haven't played it all. Oh, my God, I've played a bunch. I, uh, I, I won a game on turn three yesterday. My opponent goes turn two, planes, mock sapphire, tinker for Inkwell Leviathan. But it could have been tinker for Blink Steel Colossus. Wouldn't have mattered. Oh no, it would have mattered. If he tinker for Blink Steel Colossus, I would have lost because I gave him one attack step. Yeah. And then I stormed him out on turn three. On, All right. On my turn. Brian three. calls me. Calls me. Ring, ring, ring. Phone calls. I just impulsed. Okay. What should I take? You want to tell me what cards are? I remember the cards, okay? Yeah, go ahead. Is it Charm? Soul Ring? Young Pyromancer? What was the other one? Is it Charm, Soul Ring, Young Pyromancer? Mana Leak? No. Maybe Mana Leak. I, I think Mana Leak, right? By the way, I 3 0 with this deck. Okay, so... <laughs> this deck was... This deck was so, an atrocity. So, so, it's a, he's like, he's a, he calls me. I impulse. All right, I impulse. What should I take? <laughs> so it's... Soul Ring, Young Pyromancer is a charm, and I think Mana Leak, right? That sounds yeah, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, it maybe not Mana Leak, but the other three I'm Could sure. Could have been a Cryptic Command or something like so that. So I'm sure of the other three, okay? And I'm like, what turn is it? Two. Soul Ring! <laughs> what kind of question is that? It might have been a rhetorical question. Like, I mean, like, if it's like turn 70, maybe you take is a charm, right? You know, like, yeah. so you could filter your crappy hand. Yeah, you know? yeah. But like... Was it a guy? Do you have a guy in your deck? Not many. I only had like five, <laughs> including Hellrider. <laughs> I saw. I saw your deck posted on. That deck on, was. On I lost. I lost one game with that deck. That deck was sweet. It was an. It was a storm deck that did not go well. John likes to call these decks storm, storm portion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very worried that my deck will not be covered by the new healthcare plan in 2018, oh, wow. both because my deck was sick and because there was an abortion. <laughs> So, two ways you could take that. Anyway, long story short, 
How do you not just auto-take Soul Ring there? So, I did not call you. You called me as I was impulsing. And I was called a, you? You called me. Not because I was impulsing. <laughs> you just called me. <laughs> you called me. So I called you and you're like, hold on, I'm impulsing. Hold on, I'm impulsing. Okay. Um, and, you know, I mean, like, you want to do a check. I mean, I always take the Soul Ring. <laughs> On turn two, right? Yeah. If you have a bunch yeah. of lands, no, it's probably yeah, this, not. This is, this is the other, th- the other thing I'm sure of, I don't know about mana. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that deck was sick. I three out of it. Aaron Muranaka. <gasps> I love Aaron Muranaka. Aaron wants us to talk about magic. Check. Comics. Check. NBA. Check. He also says not necessarily in that order. Check. Aaron uh, recently just. Not to like social or whatever, just like because we're friends. <laughs> he just said he read Vision and loved it on my recommendation. Aaron Reed, I am Gotham. It's also Tom King. Super good. He is Batman. Um, Hugo D wants us to talk about how it takes forever for Vikings to be released. I would like a new season of Vikings to come out. It was just over, not that But it was just ago. over. Yeah, no, I agree. So I'm the, the weight hasn't felt insane. And there's so much TV. Is Vikings even in your top 20 scripted TV shows? Ooh, Yeah. Let me see if I can challenge you for top 20 without hitting Vikings. Scripted TV. Okay. All right, this is a good one. Handmaid's like Tale. Haven't watched it yet. It'll be... I, I mean, I look... My wife has, like... She's, she's good from being married to me. I think she has no feelings anymore. She's like... Uh, she's just like... It made my, like, shriveled soul cry, you know, like, yeah. just burst. Like, here's the thing. I know that there's so many things about the show that I know I'm going to love. It just feels so painful right. to watch. Do you watch love Peggy? Day. Yes. I love Peggy. You were, like, a feminist before it was cool. I love, I mean, I, I have I a love first, feminism. I have right. a first edition hardcover of, hand, of Handmaid's Tale. I, I own a first edition copy of Blind Assassin. Because somebody had... Is that I, Margaret Atwood also? Yes. Okay. Somebody just left it in the airport. I yeah, well, I, I have it because... I mean, I've seen the movie. Yeah. I love, you know... I didn't I, know there was a movie. Yeah, it came out years and years ago. I'm trying to remember. I read I read Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I own yeah, a paperback yeah, yeah, copy. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm, I'm thinking... Hand, I, I'm just going to put Handmaid's Tale on the show. I'm I mean, I, I've never thought about it, necessarily. You're, I think you're... I think I am clearly an egalitarian feminist, even though I have rough language about some sure. things. But it's just more like, I think it's funny to like portray a certain light of stuff. And there's some things I like, I think, that some feminists would think are great and some feminists wouldn't like. But I think you're way more feminist than I am, right? So like, I mean, I'm not, I don't have any objection to being called certainly. I mean, like, I just never thought about it. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I think that like some people who are like hardline feminists would like maybe question how, fe- how big of a feminist I am because most of my positions ultimately land in similar places to where they are but they're way like they're really nuanced and like like I don't think that most of the things that they probably think are just rights like they magically have extra rights or whatever I don't think that that, that that's not how I would characterize them I'd say I probably will end up in a similar place to you on this position or this position but it, this is a much more practical way of looking at it and then like you know alright but I would say you're probably more of a feminist sure. than I am and I think that I'm a feminist so okay. I mean, I, I think I'm yeah, So, all right. So, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say let's. I, I'll even I'll even move Handmaid's Tale off. I get another one. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I think you like The Expanse more than Vikings. Correct. I think you like Better Call Saul. Correct. I think you like Fargo more Correct. than. Correct. I think you like The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt 
unbeat and unbreakable. unbreakable. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt more than that. Really? Not sure. All right. I think you like. I would, I, I, I I really enjoy Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, but like, I really like Vikings. I, I think you like Vikings. House of Cards more than that. Yeah. By the way, I finished current season of House of same, Cards. Same. We could talk about that. Okay. Okay. I think you like. Uh, I want to say I I don't know. Do you like Legion more than that? I, I haven't finished Legion. All right. Whether or not you'll admit it, you don't have to admit it because I know in your heart that you like DC's Legends of Tomorrow more. Than no, Legends. no, yes, you do. No, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, Gotham. I will accept. Go- I love all right, Gotham. All right, Gotham more. Flash. You love Flash. Flash hits you in all the feels. Flash, but Flash is not better. I didn't. Who said anything about better? Well, whatever you did. It's about what you like more. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. I, I, I enjoy the Flash. I think Flash is super uneven. I think I don't. I think Vikings has been more consistent. Really, I think Delivers Vikings better. is. A, I mean, Lagatha. I like Lagatha more. I like Lagatha too. No, I love Lagatha. Okay, I love Lagatha too. I think that Vikings is one of the worst setup narrative television shows in the history. Of, like, here's like here's like a, here's a here's an average episode. There's four different plots. They have nothing to do with each other. You've also just described the Flash. <laughs> Be like, all right, the following things will happen. Right, we're we're, we're going to be on three different continents. Two main characters will die, and none of these things will ever be explained. We're, we're at five shows. True but or we're, false. True. We're talking about our top 20. Okay. No, no, true or false, these things are all true, true for true. this show. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, oh, the Americans, I think that you like. Definitely. Uh, I think you like Team Ninja Warrior. <laughs> no, false. Orphan Black. True. Okay. By the way, Orphan Black. Is it good? I haven't oh, seen oh any God, yet. It's so good. I have not seen a single Doctor Who yet this season. I Apparently, it's good. I haven't watched it. I, I have not I liked stopped it watching all it for these, a while. Uh, come, come on. Um, and they don't even have any, you know, any of this. The main thing I like Doctor Who for is like Karen Gillan, and they don't they haven't had her for years. Same. Um, and I still haven't watched Guardians of the Galaxy too. How is that possible? I was away, and my wife wouldn't let me see it while I was away. Normally, I would be like, oh, I'm away. I'm perfect. I'll see Guardians of the Galaxy. But your wife's like, I love Groot, and I love Rocket Raccoon, yeah. and I want to see this with you. And we still haven't had a chance to see it, because we had to see Wonder Woman instead of it, which was wonderful. I think that you like... And 20 might have been ambitious. Yeah. Uh... I don't even know if you watch these shows. So I don't know. I think you like Silicon Valley more. I don't. I don't watch Silicon Valley. Really? I watch. I. I, just, I mean, I'm not opposed to watching Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is a go-to for me. Yeah. I think it's. I really mean, same good. with Community, by the way. I haven't watched Community yet. Did you watch? Speaking Beep? of Alison Brie, I've watched Beep. I don't watch it religiously. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not. You know, it's weird. I'm you don't not like a big, funny things. I do. I just don't feel right. the same compulsion to binge them that I do for hour long. All right. I think you like Game of Thrones. Yes, that's eight. We're at eight. Okay, uh, that was that was, that was my cheap thrill. Yeah. I, I got that one in, in yeah. Yeah. nice and low. I think that you like Agent Carter more than Vikings. Yes. Okay. I think. Ooh. Okay. I more? think. No, no, no. Take it back. Not more than Vikings. All right. I think you like Marvel's Agents of Shield more than Vikings. No. You just never shut up about Ghost Rider. I look. Agents of Shield has been inconsistent. It's not. It doesn't have the same level of consistency. Blah blah blah. Ghost Rider. <laughs> blah blah blah. Ghost Rider special effects are expensive. <laughs> They're limiting how much they could use Ghost Rider because it's so expensive. I, look, I like Agents of Shield. I, mean, yeah, I can't believe that you're like just choking me on these. Says you obviously love them. You've never talked to me about Vikings, but man, about Ghost Rider. Oh, you know, you know they got this season. <laughs> Ghost Rider. 
Which Ghost Rider is it? I don't know. Johnny Blaze. You're, you're missing many a easy. You're missing many easy like layups. layups? Here. Yes. Did I say the Americans already? You did. Okay. Um, I think you Deadwood like, Justified. I was. Oh, I'm only going for current TV. Shows. Oh, you're going for current. Oh, that's different. Oh, all times. Yeah. I think that you like Young Justice more than Vikings, and if yes. you don't, you're yes. lying. Yes, okay? I do. I do. Right. Oh, okay. I didn't realize you were going for current. Oh, I don't know. Current is. Currents is hard. Yeah, well, that's why I'm... Yeah, like, Currents. All times. The Sopranos. Yeah. Alias, you. only the first two seasons. <laughs> I was trying to understand how this was working. I'm like, uh, man, this seems very easy. But I'll let my go and name 20 shows that I liked better than... Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, never mind. Supergirl. We can... Oh, Supergirl. Yeah, I that's... Super... I watched the season finale. Sheldon, Sheldon Mennery hates Supergirl. And I don't know if it's because... And, and Sheldon and I, like, vibe on a lot of the same stuff. He's like, but it's so badly written. What does that mean? Either, or so badly, I don't know. I don't know. But like, like 30 Rock. Yeah. It's your yeah, all-time yeah. favorite comedy. Oh, wow. 30 Rock is your all-time favorite comedy. You told me that. You're, I know. You're but revising I mean, I, it? Yeah, I might revise. I might revise. Are there comedies that have come out that are... I don't think there's any comedy that's no, come out I, since 30 Rock that's superior to 30 No, Rock. probably not. But I've been rewatching Cheers lately. Cheers? I love Cheers. Cheers is, I, I was the first one I think I registered as being laugh out loud funny, approximately 1989. All right, Leambot says, definitely not the New York Knicks. Sorry, Leambot. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Trevor Tweeterbard, Trevor B, says, your thoughts on our devastation. Tune in next week for that. Question, how did you like the brew that I got? It was great. It wasn't even a cold brew. They didn't have any. It oh, just okay. got you regular it coffee. It was just like iced coffee. I mean, I, yeah. like, I'm, not a, I'm not a coffee snob. I'm not. I just like coffee and yeah. caffeine and coffee. Uh, Jason Williamson wants to know why LeBron is the goat. Why is it? So it presupposes he's the goat, and I'm supposed to justify. It presupposes his that he's the goat. And uh, he I think justify. it's arguable he's the goat. Uh, I don't think that it's. I don't think it's definite. I mean, I think that the goat is probably Will uh, the Still, uh, who only has one NBA title, uh, but uh, because he's the greatest statistical outlier in the history of of basketball, I think. LeBron does more things well than anyone else who ever played, right? I think, uh, I think like if you're, if you're just gonna compare skill for skill, LeBron to Michael, there's no comparison. LeBron is superior to Michael in every in every way almost. Uh, people, one of the things that people are fundamentally flawed on is they compare Michael's career to LeBron's career to date. LeBron James is a currently active player. Uh, LeBron James at 32 is far far superior just like on factual basis so Michael Jordan at 32 right so Michael Jordan at 32 did not have six titles he had three titles which is the same number as LeBron James LeBron James has been to the finals eight times uh, which is more times than Michael Jordan was in the finals in his entire career uh, so you can't really compare you can't compare the final the finished product of, of Michael Jordan to the in in medias race of LeBron James LeBron James only 32 years old uh, is he the GOAT? I don't know I think that it is I think that if you think about the evolutionary limit of a human body, LeBron James is probably very close uh, in terms of a basketball player to as good as a, as a human being can be, but there's probably going to be some uh, training improvements. So there'll be other people who will have, uh, for example, a, a sprinter's body as good as Bolt or a swimmer's body as good as Phelps uh, or a basketball player's body as good as LeBron, but in the future maybe some, some new proto-LeBron will have had the benefit of superior 
uh, three-point shooting practice earlier age, for example, right? So LeBron James is both turnover-prone and a uh, relatively poor foul shooter for his level of usage. So I think that you might just iron those things out before they got to the NBA, right? I think that, so this means the GOAT for all time. Of currently active players, I think LeBron is the best uh, in terms of his, his over at this point. I think it is most likely that of the players who, who are currently playing, that Steph Curry will be remembered as the most uh, impactful player, but talking about something that's not going to happen for 10 years, so who knows? Maybe Jimmy Butler would be the best. Kawhi Leonard's awfully good, right? In a, in a quiet way. I don't know if that, I don't know if that even answered. I don't know that he's the GOAT. Like, I mean, I, I, I think he's I think he's clearly better than Michael, but that that's not doesn't that presupposes Michael's the go, right? Like, sure. Right? You, I mean, so so the so who's the argument then? If it's not Michael or LeBron, the like argument people is people say Kobe's the go, right? Like, come on, it's not Kobe, come on, right? Come on. Like, the argument's Bill Russell. I think so. If you look at or or the arguments, um, I I, yeah, I, I decided I think like any of the old Celtics, you got to throw in the trash can. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm down with throwing there any were, Celtic into it. There were three game. teams in the NBA back Yeah, then. yeah. Like, seriously, there were like seven teams in the NBA. They beat like these... There was just nobody on the other teams that wasn't a Celtic. That's the thing. Like, in that era, there's just nobody, right? Like, you can't, there's not a single memorable player who wasn't a member of the Celtics who they beat in the finals, right? Like, if you look at... This is the thing that people don't understand about how much greater LeBron is than, than Michael in terms of finals performances. People say, oh, Michael... Michael won every time he went to the finals. So are you saying it is, it is, is it better to go six and zero oh in the finals, or is it better to go six and three in the finals? Right? It's clearly better to go six and three. It means he made to the finals three more times, right? Sure. All right. So the fact that LeBron hasn't won every finals is is kind of a strike against him, and you just compare finals hit rate with Michael. But who did Michael ever beat? Nobody. When Michael beat the Lakers, there was like no Kareem, James Worthy was hurt, and no Magic. Like. He beat like a shell of a Laker team, right? And then he never beat any team of any significance. Maybe the Suns, right? Like, like, I mean, he beat Stockton and Malone twice, but those guys just clearly just never, they never won anything. Okay, like, here's the test. Like, Look, you're, you're missing it. But clearly, the answer is Lonzo Ball. <laughs> to, to be clear, like, who's ever beaten a 73-win team? Only LeBron, right? Yeah. Who the, LeBron beat the Spurs? I, I think, I... I and th- beat and lost to the Spurs I, during the course of a 15-year dynasty? Is, I think it is clearly LeBron James. Yeah. And it's... it's I, Look, and it's not a knock on, on Jordan. No, and it's not a knock not on Bill Russell. Best. No, it's not even that. It's just the game has changed. Athletes get better. The, you know, you, you've talked about this. Like, people get bigger, stronger, faster... Just as we move forward yeah, in time, and, now you have and there's zero chance that Michael Jordan could guard carry, LeBron could James. Carry LeBron James's water. I mean, like, right? that's just how it works. LeBron James is LeBron James, and he shoots 47 yeah. percent from three. Like it's it's unreal. Like yeah. like there's just no players that exist like him. But you now you have these players like Kevin Durant who are seven feet tall, yeah. who have LeBron James's similar skill set yeah. to LeBron James. Like. It's unbelievable. Like, look at who, who did LeBron James beat for his second title. The team that he beat was Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Let me give you a hint. Two of the three MVP candidates were on that team. <laughs> with Serge Ibaka when he was still good, Thabo Thabalosha before they broke his leg. All right? He beat that team in five games. Right? Like, 
Michael would have been eviscerated by that team. Can you imagine Michael trying to guard James Harden? <laughs> like, he would have been wagging his tongue at the refs every time. And by the way, at the same time, who the fuck knows what Michael Jordan would look like currently, right? Like the, yeah, he played for a different era. Yeah, yeah, different era. They let so, you basically punch people the, in the, the face the back goat, then. The goat just gets goatier yeah, as we I go agree. along. It, it, it's only natural for, for it always to get better over time. Yeah. Like this whole idea that like guys in the 50s are no, as good, it's just no. ridiculous. Ba- ba- Babe Ruth could not hit a modern curveball. Case closed. Okay. David Riley wants to know how many new spots am I going to have to open up on my Momir Rig deck for the plethora of EDH goodness that is Hour of Devastation. Don't know. Haven't gotten that far yet. We're not really a numbers podcast. Is it? <laughs> Maybe like check out the MTG Goldfish podcast. No, no, we'll, or be, we'll, they we'll, we'll be. I mean, I'm happy to talk about my Momir Rig. I know you are not. But I don't I'm even happy. know what any of these words are. I am very happy to. Momir Vig, and we'll talk about Commander, it next week. Hour of Devastation. What do these words even mean? Um, Matt Sewell wants to know what misleading information. Uh, wants us to talk about misleading information from an opponent in a game. And to that point, MTG shortcut and shortcut fallacies, says Chris Stiegel. I don't know, man. I don't even know what this, this means. is. All, this is all like stuff where it's like where you say like combat and then your opponent, you know, this is all going back. Oh, yeah, like this, all just tricks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't oh. want to talk about that. Uh, Nicholas Cummings says Fargo. We've, we've talked about Fargo some, Nick. So there you're there. Jed Dobier says, if you're not talking about the CP3 trade and Phil Jackson, I don't even know why you have an MTG podcast. We already talked about both. <laughs> Eight players for CP3. Yeah. Steve Port and Frank Lepore both say Allison Bree, obviously. Done. Also done and dusted. Jeff Phillips has says, the hierarchy of superhero TV shows. Oh, here's one. Yeah. So you think you have Gotham at the top or Supergirl at the top? Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Are uh, we talking all time or just current? I think it. I think current it's, live I think, action. I think it's current live action. All right. And I do. I do have Gotham at the top. The season finale of Gotham this year was so good. Have you watched it? No. Same answer I always give you. I only watch it on planes. So if there's only like two episodes, oh I watch two episodes. I'll probably, well, I, was, I just watched all three seasons over the summers. Oh, will, will you? I mean, seriously, because otherwise I'm going to just spoil the crap out of stuff here. I know that the kid becomes Batman. Yeah, but, but like, it's, it's, in the, it's in how things It's how going. it happens. I yeah. get it. Okay. All right. But, uh, but yeah, it's, really a, it's more a show about Gordon, right? No. Is it about him? It's about Gotham. It's about Gotham. All right. So you said Gotham at the top. I mean, let me just give a proposed, a proposed structure. Sure. You agree okay. on. Gotham... Supergirl, Arrow. Oh, was it Gotham, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, Marvel's Agents of Shield, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. I love, I love this hierarchy. All right, that's where that's where I love we're it. Going. But, but, um, and then it doesn't account for Daredevil, Luke Cage, oh, Jessica Jones. Oh, <laughs> hold on, brother. We got to open up. The, I forget that Iron counts Fist. as television. Okay, wait. Pause. 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 <laughs> Shit, man, Jessica Jones is on top then. So, so, one season. How effed up is the Purple Man? Yeah, I'm. I'm willing to put Jessica Jones over Gotham. Yes, okay. yes. Willing Jessica to. Jones. So Jessica Jones. Daredevil. Screw you. I Hallway hate fight scene. Yeah, what, whatever. Whatever. I can't even I talk to you. I don't like. I don't like Daredevil. I don't like, scene. I don't like anybody on Daredevil. You don't like the hallway fight scene. I love the hallway fight scene. Hallway fight. Scene. I hate Daredevil. I, I think that I plays Daredevil I, as Daredevil. I, think that I love X2, him on Boardwalk Empire. I think X2 is basically the greatest, the greatest uh, <laughs> uh, action flick of all time. 
superhero or not just for the White House yeah. chase scene. Yeah, obviously. I don't I don't like that. <laughs> the rest of the movie wasn't any good. Yeah, Daredevil stinks. Hallway fight scene. I love Vincent D'Onofrio. You said I, you didn't like anybody on Daredevil. I love him. So, Do you like the Punisher in the second season? I love the Punisher in the second season. You like lots of that. All right, I'll, I'll give you this because you love Gotham so much. Jessica Jones, Gotham. Daredevil, Luke Cage. Luke, right. Cage, Luke Cage is way over Gotham. I mean, way over Daredevil. It I don't could care. be over Gotham, actually. I like I Luke Cage. Be, I may be How willing far to go, is it over Supergirl? Man? I might be willing to go... I'm going to go... Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Gotham. Wow, really? You are... You have betrayed who you are inside. Because well, I don't like Daredevil? No, because you knocked Gotham down so many times. No, I, I, I do. Like, I mean, look, Jessica shows, Jones is so good. Jessica Jones and, and, and Luke Cage could both come down a peg after the, if they're inconsistent, but... All right, so we're going to go Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Gotham, Supergirl? Yeah. Daredevil? No. I have Daredevil near the bottom, buddy. Flash? Yes. Arrow? Yes. I mean, I've, I've got Iron Fist at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I've got I, <laughs> Whatever I mean, it is, yeah. Iron Fist at the bottom, DC Sessions Tomorrow right above that. DC Sessions Tomorrow is the most awful show that I never miss <laughs> for even one day. <laughs> How? It's just Jesus Spear, oh, no, you've, yeah. Dinosaurs, Time Traveling Wizard. I can turn into I mean, you metal. Are making, you are making it sound good. <laughs> I made out with you and your grandmother. <laughs> Oh, uh, boy. Yeah. How is White Canary so great, and they have so many different Black Canaries, and they all stink? They've had three different Black Canaries, right? Yeah. All of them stink. I like the new Black Canary. I like the new Black Canary. Conveniently also named Dinah? Yeah. Come on. Convenient. It is. I do. I, do. I like it. Um, Aaron Astron wants us to talk about whether or not it's wise for Watsy to pour money into an MMO RPG. What do I know what's wise? First of all... Magic makes also, hundreds of millions of dollars. First of all, I don't believe Wizards is pouring money into it. I believe they've licensed it out to some other company to make. So that's fine. So they're just taking money out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Keith Walter wants us to talk about how bad prize support is. Shut up. Who cares? Shut up. I don't prize is you get to go to the Pro Tour if you win. And I mean, I, I do understand that the, there's a disconnect between how many people play in Grand Prix and how much money gets paid out at Grand Prix, but let's you know, be honest. Let's be honest. If you go to a Grand Prix and you're playing in the main event, you're a sucker. Go to a Grand Prix, have a good time, let me do a question. bunch of other stuff. This is like 20 years ago almost now. When you did Grand Prix Philadelphia, it was the largest Grand Prix at the time. Sure. How much do you pay for rent 20 years ago? I don't, dude. I don't. I don't even want to talk about. It's that. a ton, right? I regret. I regret bringing a, this one up. But it's like a. It's a big risk for the person running the tournament. Yeah. Like when they, if you run a tournament like Grand Prix Las Vegas, which is like in this gigantic area, right? I mean, granted, you like hope that there's going to be a lot of people showing up, but some of them don't even generate revenue for you. They're only generating liabilities. Okay. All right. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fire through some of these here. Uh, Jonathan Bowie wants us to do Willem Dafoe movie draft. Favorite Willem Dafoe movie. Quick. Spider Man. Uh, Streets of Fire, a rock and roll fable. Okay. Spider, not 2001 Spider-Man. Streets of Fire, a rock and roll, rock and roll fable. Streets of Fire, a rock and roll fable. Jonathan Becker, back me up here. Oh my God. Okay. You might as well have just yeah, named John Carter. I love John Carter. <laughs> I knew it. I love John Carter. I just watched it recently. Yeah. Uh, Chris Lansdowne wants us to talk about the best backcourt in the NBA. I mean... 
Is it Harden and CP3 now? <laughs> uh, best backcourt in the NBA. <sighs> Warriors is a good is a good candidate. Okay. Where'd Butler go? Uh, Butler Rubio. He's not as good as the Warriors. Uh, I mean, it's, it's about, CP3 Harden now. How about now. the best cooking shows featuring a member of a backcourt in the NBA, which is the Warriors? So, Steph so, Curry, you know Steph Curry has like a regular Food Network show now, right? I did not know that. Well, he doesn't really. Aisha Curry does. Oh. But he's on every episode. Okay. So I think it's got to be Houston, right? Harden CP3? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that. Uh, Jonathan Brostoff wants us to talk about dynamics of Team Seal and tips for doing better with interpersonal communication in such a context. Yeah, when, no. when Reed Duke is here or something, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we get Ethan, Ethan Pollinger wants us to talk about the Hall of Fame. Lance Hartberger says, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I agree. I want to talk about the Hall of Fame. I don't want to do it Not today. today. I don't want to do it today. And Got my ballot today. And and yeah. I want to get Chris Pakula on that podcast because I really desperately want Chris to be in the Hall of Fame. I want people to vote for Chris Pakula. Vote for Chris Pakula. Lance Harberger also says, things that are better than manatizing a Jace. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Willie Guevara says, did you see Wonder Woman yet? I did. It was great. Voltani Reeves wants to know about mono red and eternal formats. I could talk about this. All day, but we're not. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dane Young wants to know why Heezy should be a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Look. Who should be? Heezy? Heezy. Mark Herbert. We we'll did a podcast we'll with Heezy years ago. We'll we talk do about that. it. We'll talk about it. Uh, Voltaire wants to talk about American Gods. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. Is it great? It's great. I loved it. I loved it. I and really it has the it. it has a uh, um, uh, Betty from uh, from Glow, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. She is in it. It's great. Uh, it also has uh, Mo- Scully. All right, so I started with 100% battery, and we are now below okay. 20% All right. battery. And Kevin Baldwin ends, says we should talk about Glow. We talked about Glow, Kevin. So anyway, well, look, we're going to be back next week. We're going to talk about... At least 500 episodes. Next week. At least 500 episodes of Hours of Devastation. We're going to give you hours and hours and hours of devastation next week. Is that the name of the series? Hours and hours and hours of devastation? Yeah. I like it, I like it. Okay. What's uh, this one called? Six coffee emojis, or what's it? A, a special kind of special kind of special kind of idiot. Special kind of idiot. That's me. Okay. Brian David Marshall. This is Michael J. Flores. Uh, this has been Top Eight Magic. By the way, we have some other stuff to talk about when we're off the air. But thank you. You're welcome for six cups of coffee emoji. <laughs> <laughs>